describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Again, I'm James. And I am Dan. So where are we from today, Dan? Still in the abyss, unfortunately. Layer 72 appears to be the dark light realm of the demon lord Noctacula, the Undeniable. So uh, what the internet tells us that, or I'm sorry, what the um, tourism bureau there, little info. That's right. Enter. Tells us. The welcome Center. Oh, just, uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to Layer 72. So, uh, yeah, so a little pamphlet tells us that uh, within this layer, the shadows of good creatures shone brightly. I don't like the fact that sounds past tense, doesn't it? Yes. Doesn't shine brightly, shone brightly. Shone brightly. That's right. That is past tense. While evil creatures were shrouded in darkness, the bright creatures were e- easily hunted down by demons to be sold as slaves or killed. So... So I guess the point is, don't cast what, like, I don't know, like light around us or anything, or to show your sword? Well, that song, This Little Light of Mine, you don't want to do that here. Right. You don't want to let it shine. You want to blend in into the shadows here, because you don't want to be found by demon lords to be sold. or. And it's just so interesting, sold as slaves. Why are demons selling, what, what, what would they be, what do they need money for? We've had this conversation. Look, I'm telling you, everything is pointing toward evidence that there are taverns in the abyss. There are there are inns, there are markets. It is you're really, frankly, James. It's a Manhattan, is, basically. It is, and I, I don't know why you. I don't know where you've been getting your info. You've been <laughs> believing. You've been believing that stuff you're hearing on the prime material plane. Which is who there's been to the abyss, really? Right, right. right. What do they know? Not very it's, few. It's, it's not so different for the prime. As a matter of fact, you know what they think about what they say about the primate plane on the abyss. I mean, can you imagine? Mm, right, right. Yeah, that's if they only knew. They're, they're right. so ignorant. Well, it's, there's there's the uh, you know the international highway, the astral plane that separates it. Which you know, it's supposed to be a one way trip. It's not supposed to be going back and forth. But apparently. Here on layer seventy-two, dark light. Uh, but you know, we keep hearing 
maybe we'll be leaving the abyss soon. I hope so because there's actually we're running out of entries. Even though the the, the abyss is six, at least six hundred sixty six, we're running out of entries. We're gonna have to start making up our own uh, ones on here. So where do you see we're gonna be the Columbus of the abyss? That's right. Uh, that, well, that's interesting. That's right. That's a good tie into we. This is. We're getting up to the American holiday of Thanksgiving. Uh, that's right. So we were going to do something that's probably going to uh, be t- try to loose tie in. So hope you guys enjoy that. Um, let's do some announcements while we're while we're at it. Um, speaking of light at the end of the tunnel, GrogCon hopefully in April, right? Uh, still, that's yeah, that's yeah, 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 in I, April. I, th- I think they gave us a date, right? Uh, yeah, we have we have dates. We have dates and. Uh, I, I don't. I think I'm trying to say. Was it the like the twelfth to the fourteenth? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, I, I hate to give out specific dates because we're so far, you know, from from that. You know. They should people. And now it's buyer beware, don't you think? I right. mean, if you don't realize at this point that that might perhaps at least for let's say for GrogCon is tentative, right? Where have you been? So yeah, right. we have, we don't know what things are going to be like because again, we're in Florida. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, need, need we say more? I mean, I know a lot of most places are going the wrong direction, but uh, yeah, it's not great here. So, um, yeah, so that, that's really, yeah, it surely would be tentative in any event. Yes. Right? And uh, yeah, we just had, we just had another tropical storm in November. So, yeah. It's so funny. It's like tropical storm. That's like nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, who cares? It was, a, it was a rainstorm. We don't care. It's, it's the end of the year, but it's just, this this year can't end quick enough for for most of us here. So, and speaking of this year, can I just make a real quick announcement? That's right. Yeah, because I and I asked you if I could do that if you would indulge me because I know usually you try to keep it light on this show. Right. Right. We we try not to get involved in politics. That's true. Uh, but I think you know I think based upon what's happened and been happening, I think I think we need to you know we would be remiss if we didn't make some sort of comment. We have to acknowledge the fact that things are happening. Yes, you're right. Absolutely right. I mean, we, we, we don't live, you know, we, we like to escape from the real world. But so, you know, um, I don't know, you know, no one likes to be a one term incumbent president. But, right. you know, so whether you whether you and look, no one's more unhappy than me because, you know, I was team Vaprak. Right. You were team Vaprak. And my understanding is last time I looked at CNN, there was zero, zero electoral votes. Uh, Vaprak didn't even get the abyss. He was repudiated uh, uh, resoundly by the voters, unfortunately. But don't worry, we've got VapRack versus Arizona Election Board. I've got many VapRacks legal. I'm on. I'm in charge of VapRacks legal team. Oh, then he's <laughs> he's <laughs> done. And let me put it this way: he's done. Yeah, he's definitely going to lose. So and let me put it this way: whether he's invited or not, VapRack is coming to the inauguration. That's right. <laughs> You can, you're, there's a buffet, and you're on it. Buffet, uh, but I know. But so, in all seriousness, we really should congratulate uh, uh, Reagan, Ronald right. Reagan, and for those of you who supported Jimmy Carter, um, disappointing obviously to be a one-term president. But I'm looking forward to 1981. Uh, I think things are going to improve. Well, and it's you know, as we'll see in the Dragon Magazine again, uh, there's a great you know, we, we should put reserve our 1981 calendars because you know. Yeah. 19, they talk about you know Iran and Afghanistan and droughts and all this other pestilence and 1981 will hopefully be better. The band wasn't uh, wasn't there the Olympics wasn't like a, a band Olympics right boycotted it's Olympics because Russia the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. Yeah, ni- I mean yeah, 19- it's been a terrible it's been a terrible 
year. We're not going to have another year like this, like we've had in 1980, I would say for another 40 years. Uh, it, that's, yeah. I mean, really, I, it's at least at least 40. I think you're right. So, uh, yeah. so congratulations to him. So, uh, uh, you know, it was unpre- unexpected, but hey, these, these, things, these things move on. Um, so 1981 hopefully will be better for us. Indeed. So thank you. Thank you for, for indulging. No, I think it's important. We, we discussed that. So that was, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah. Back, back to now the not real world. Misha, the bear was the mascot in the Olympics, by the way, Mishka, Mishka. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, Russia crushed it, didn't they? The Soviet Union crushed it. Why well, talk about, you Cause, know, cause it was in Moscow. Yeah. You think <laughs> Reagan's electoral college victory was big over Carter right. just now. Russia, they just scooped up all the medals, strangely, didn't they? <laughs> they vaprak the Olympics. <laughs> vaprak was the, yeah, we had a Mishka. Vaprak was the. <laughs> that should be, well, if we had the Grog, Grog Talk yeah. Olympics, Vaprak would be the mascot. Yes. Who are we going to put in that costume? Oh, it's got to be Vic. We need yeah, somebody Vic, 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 right? Vic would have to be the Vaprak. Vic is Vaprak. Absolutely. And it's V. V is for value, just a big V. <laughs> he's, you know, Vap, he's in a big Vap rack. He's kind of walking down the street. The Grog Talk Olympics. I love it. He's at the buffet. I love it. The, yeah. he, would, he would be perfect. Uh, oh, speaking of the Grog Talk Olympics, we have to talk about it. We're going to hit ourselves. Make sure we get to Dragon Magazine to talk about the DM competition, which is fun, oh. how they turn the tables. Yeah. And they, and they judge the DMs as yeah. opposed to judge the players. So, but all right. So it is Thanksgiving here in the United States. Well, not quite. In a couple of weeks. And um, so Dan said, hey, let's talk about food on Dungeons and Dragons. All right, Dan, what do you want to talk about food? <laughs> exactly. It seemed like a good idea. <laughs> I have very little, so I, you know, very little to talk about food, you know, so and it's, it basically just turns into a spell selection again because you have very few food and food doesn't include, I'm not including water. Food, there's very few food-based spells, right? Yes, that's true. There is, they're all, what, so we've got, uh, the cleric has purify food and drink. And of course, the reverse, right, is what, putrefy, I believe, food and drink. And then there is create food and water is a third level cleric spell. Those were the only ones that I recall seeing in the player's handbook in terms of spells. Is that correct to your understanding? That is my understanding. So I guess the question I've got then is when do you – the only real question I have about these spells is other than Thanksgiving. And, you know, and what are you getting? I mean I know one of them says it's like good food or whatever. But so like is it just like random? Is it just like – or just like nondescript food? So can I use uh, create food and water? What what appears? What, what Do you have any idea? No, I don't. But normally – well, that's it. Uh, the question I have is there is – in the player's handbook, page 36, under provisions, which, by the way, you know, you stare at these things. We only use rations because we assume we were adventuring. Everything else we didn't care about, except maybe the beer and, and wine. But right. you pointed out merchant's meal. What is in a merchant's meal versus a rich meal? You assume a merchant's meal is kind of the oi polloi, the standard fare that you would have, but it's not very clear. Right. Um, and what's also interesting is, at least in the general, the three books here, there is no rules on, well, what happens if you don't eat every day, starvation? It just assumes you're going to need to provide food. Most games, right, you always, the DM always asks, hey, did you provide rations? But there is no rules 
on starvation or scurvy, or I mean, I guess you could get a disease, but there really is no rules on if you don't have food, what happens, at least in the core books. No, that's right. Um, and I don't know why you have a merchant's meal. I mean, is this for a day trip? Uh, you know, because the rations seem to be clearly take for an extended adventure. The merchant's meal and, and, and the rich meal, it just seems to be, I mean, it's just like packing packing a lunch that's right for, we're going to for, just packing a small lunch for the trip yeah this should be like a nine to five this is like a, a there's an ogre's lair this will be an in and out it'll be it'll be honey i'll be home for dinner right exactly right we're gonna go get the cockatrice lair or whatever and i guess well here i i prepared for you i guess if you're low level maybe it's like here honey i packed you a merchant's meal if you're higher level here honey a rich meal so it's better. Right. Um, I guess this gives us some idea of how much food costs at taverns and bars. Though this, yeah, so I don't know what to do with this, and, and, it's, and I don't know what to do with the rations. You're the one that pointed out to me that the difference between iron and standard is, the weight, is a weight issue, correct? Right. That's Cause why, right. Because why wouldn't you do standard? It's three gold pieces. You know, so so is iron is, is, is lighter? Yeah, so the idea that my understanding, if you go to page 225 of the Dungeon Master Guys, it's other places, encumbrance of standard items, because they didn't put that down in the player's handbook. And if you go into rations, iron rations are 75, standard rations are 200. So it's three ti- one-third the weight of, of that. And, and then there's the idea that iron rations probably last longer, because it's like you know beef jerky and... The, you know, like what the hobbits brought, the bread, the elven bread, and this kind of stuff that could last much longer. And you said the iron the iron is lighter than the standard? Correct. Right. So iron is better, right. So the idea is probably is if you're paying more, it's better all around, right? It's, 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 it's last longer, as you said. It's lighter. Um, and so, yeah, but I guess, you know, you got to care about, you got to care about encumbrance. You got to be doing encumbrance, right? Right. Well, you... Right, and and what's interesting, back in the early game, you know, and of course Vic pointed out Wilderness Survival Guide. Yeah, I know they put rules in for starvation and all that stuff in the in those uh, in the books Wilderness and Dungeon. But pre to that, when we just had the Holy Trinity, no one ever complained. Well, why do I need to bring food? Everyone always was like, Oh yeah, I got to bring food. But there was there was never a, at least I don't take remember. Anyone, yeah, take off right. rations. How often does a DM say, All right, everyone, strike a day of rations? Yeah, well, they do, but. There's no, I've never gotten to the point where you've run out of food. Now this is what's going to happen because there's no rules for it. It's almost like yeah. no, one, no one ever wanted to call the DM's bluff on if they ran out of food and or usually, water. And usually you're not in a place. I mean, when you're at the tavern and at the town, you're in Hamlet, wherever, you're eating the meal, right? You're, you're usually not a week out in, in the middle of nowhere in the dungeon, right? I mean, it could happen. Right. But usually people have at least one week, and you're not out there that long, so it becomes a non-issue. Which brings me to my next question is, why am I picking these spells? I mean, I've got to pick them at the beginning of the day. I'm a cleric, unless I know that we've run into trouble. I mean, when am I picking uh, to purify this? It's stunningly situational spells, aren't they? When am I picking create food and water unless we are starving? And then the cleric, so the cleric can help you out there. And it just says it's nourishing foods. That's great. So if you've got a cleric who's high enough level, then you're not going to run. You're probably not going to run into trouble with food at all. Um, 
But if you when when are you, what, when are you picking to um, purify food and water? Unless it's unless it's really situational. Yeah. The well, and the situation is if the if the dungeon master wants this game to be more of a resource game. You're on a stranded ship. You're crossing the desert. You're in a swamp where you foraging is difficult. There's or you're in the tundra. And the food you have, you have to purify because if you don't, you're starving. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I can see that. So, yeah, it's but it's be- situational to your point. Yeah. And once you have it, you know that is the challenge with higher level play. A lot of the things that were problematic for entry level adventurers, encumbrance, travel. You know, you don't worry about overland adventures because you teleport everywhere, or you have magical beasts, or whatever the case it is. What is what is what is putrefy? So if I'm gonna do the reverse, I mean unless I'm being like Gollum and want to destroy the elven bread <laughs> and blame it on Sam. I mean, what am I doing with this spell? I mean it's, so is it unless I'm just trying to sabotage the adventure and I'm like, you know, get rid of the food? it just makes it bad, right? I mean, is anyone dying from eating this stuff? What's you well, know? Uh, yeah, I, well the uh, you know, someone commented the purify water uh, hurts water weirds, which is I remember. So, uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's it, you'd have to, yeah, you'd have to know water weird is around, but that's very interesting. Yeah, and who would carry that around? I mean, that's so, like you said, situational. <laughs> you're, at the, you're at the convention, and you're the clear. Like, what did you pick? Uh, I picked, you know, what uh, purify water? Why? What? <laughs> like, nah, you never know, man. It's the food water. and it's food and drink. So there you go. It's super exciting. Water weirds. Yeah. So. The um, yeah, well, hang on. Well, you you could spo- you could spoil unholy water with purify water. Okay. And vice versa. So um, maybe you're the vampire and you're doing putrefy so that people can't cast holy water on you. Yeah, or you know you're like the NPC and you're really evil and they don't know it and like they go to use the holy water and you're like yeah, it's not working. That's and, like, right. Is that they're actually water. bathing? The vampires and the whites are bathing with. Oh, this is. Mm, they get stronger. Yeah. yeah, they're drinking it. Delicious. <laughs> It's like that orc, right? On Lord of the Rings, he pulls the sword, you know, through or whatever. Yeah, they're just drinking it like, yeah. So I guess you could do it. You could have like the the NPC cleric who's messing with – like the food has gone bad and you don't know why and and the holy water is not working. So, yeah, okay. Or there could be – you could pretend that there's a curse on the land where the food is spoiling. You know, again, it's that – Kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, using that as a way to trick the the, the commoners. Oh, the, the the town is cursed. We all the food in the stores was spoiled. How did that happen? Well, the guy st- stood outside and. So you left the cockatrice out. You forgot to put it in the fridge the night before <laughs> right. Thanksgiving. Don't worry, honey. Whatever. It's not. It hasn't been on ice, and now it's smelling bad. Right. right. Purify, no worries. Purify cockatrice. Right, I'll handle it. So, no, what I did think was interesting What about a food, I thought of this article, which is a little bit later. It's in a Dragon magazine. It's a little bit later, I believe. But it was uh, a, room for, a Room for the Night, Inns and Taverns and Fantasy Game Cities. I kind of liked it because it gives you all these – it gives you a price list of a lot of stuff. And what I love about it is it gives you a price list of cost by in rating. Your inns are rated as one-star, two-star – 
three star or four star, and I assume there's like a Fodders or or, or, or a Fromers. Is that a Michelin uh, list or is that Zagats yeah, uh, exactly. or? Yep, like a four star, and 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 so it tells you the cost for it, and and it's got a whole, it's got a great menu, and um, it's got abalone, apple, banana, bass, beans, beef, berries, pork, bread, broth, cabbage, carrots, chicken, cheese, clams, coconut. Corn, crab, dove, duck, eggs, game hen, goose, grapes, gruel, lamb, lobster, mushrooms, mutton, orange, oyster, peas, peach, pear, pheasant, pork, potatoes, rabbit, red snapper, ribs. I know this is fascinating. Rice, salmon, snake, uh, uh, soup. Is that snake soup? No, it's, no, it's just soup. Stew, squid, trout, tuna, turkey. Turkey for Thanksgiving. How much is turkey? All right. So let's. where are you going, sir? You want to go for Thanksgiving? Because some people do go out for Thanksgiving dinner, right? I mean, right. This year, but um, where where are you? Are you going to a one star, two star, three star, four star tavern, sir? Well, uh, this is me. I'm going to four star, of course. Okay. So you're going to be overcharged, but maybe prepared better. How much would you think a, a, a turkey? I guess do you get the whole turkey? I, I would know. hope so. <laughs> That's a big meal. If you're coming with the family, well, um, I'm, I'm going out for Thanksgiving. I've got to uh, got to feed the whole family. And you might be a half ogre. That's right. Yeah, it could just be for me then. Right. So, so what the um, what is the uh, how much do you think that's going to cost you? Uh, ten silver pieces. Get out! It's ten silver pieces. Whoa! I, we got a I winner. I don't have it. That's just my guess. There you go. Winner turkey dinner. So um, yeah, and one star is just five copper pieces. But so it's kind of nice. Because to have in a pinch, right? The players always want to be like, oh, what is there and how much does that cost me? Now, there is another one from the Dragon, September 1979, which was Inns and Taverns, also had a menu. And this is one I like a little bit better. Okay, look at this menu. Ready for this? It is Beaver Tails. It's a little more exotic, hey. right? Yeah. Beaver Tails, Snake Stew, Rabbit Stew, Wolf Stew, Chicken Eggs, Lizard Steaks, Beef steaks, roast chicken, roast duck, ham, haggis, salad, lobster, shark, fried snake, frog legs, otter stew, snake eggs, duck eggs, eel, eel steaks, roast turkey, roast mm. pheasant, venison, mutton, vegetables, crab, caviar and salmon, whale blubber, beef ribs, and bread. Now, what's, so I like some of these better. Now, what's very interesting about this, the roast turkey here, you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Three gold pieces. Wow, that's so that's what's, some turk. Yeah, so it's imported. So no one really. So don't feel bad if if you don't really know the price of your stuff because apparently no one can agree on this. So, well, this I, is one of the big. This is one of the big challenges as a beginning DM, right? You you're learning to DM, and you you know there's so much you have to learn, and you the the party goes to the tavern, right? You start the adventure, you're like blah blah, and they go, well, I order a drink, right? Okay. Well, what can I get? And right, right. you're right at the beginning. Like, do you really right. do? You, and then if you fumble around, right? Well, they have ale. Uh, well, what kind of ale? Right. And and you know, what kind of food? I want to order this. And they're like, oh. And then they'll spend twenty minutes going, oh. So why would this tavern in a small like in the hamlet have forty things on the menu? I would assume there'd be one thing that the cook made. You know, you got. They killed the turkey, and that's what you're getting. Everyone's eating yeah. turkey. It's like it's like in the Blues Brothers. We have two kinds of music, both kinds of music. That's right. Country and Western. That's right. Yeah. 
we got ale. But what's interesting is here are some of the possible drinks since you brought it up. And I agree with you. I don't think most of these are going to be available. We have ale, of course, but then we have dark ale. We have beer, bourbon, brandy. Ready for this? Grog. 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 Yep. Now, these are ones that are kind of interesting. Apple juice, <laughs> grape juice, orange juice, tomato juice, mead, cow milk, goat milk, tea, spring water, common wine, fine wine. The other one just has, from Dragon 79, September 1979, just has wine, good, I love this, or watered, mead, <laughs> ale, grog, rum, beer, and they're priced for a 16-ounce tankard. These prices, they give you a price for mug, price for glass. Otherwise, they're a 12-ounce mug. My point of all this is that— Is there a point? Okay. There is a point. Okay. My point of all this is if you're, if you're going to DM, it's nice to have these articles again, I think, right? A room for a night and then inns and taverns because you don't have to worry about it, right? You can just look it up quickly. And you can tell them this is what they got, this is the price, and you don't have to worry about that. And that is the first test, but you know, because it always. And then the same thing, they're sitting there. It's just like when you go take your kids or your family to this, you know, at the drive-through, and they're looking at the menu or oh, what do you have today? Or they t- ask the poor server, what's right. on? What's the specials? Oh, right. They're spending forty-five minutes ordering a meal for fa- f- fake characters. Right, and you've spent twenty-seven hours. Prepping the the dungeon, right? And you're you're an hour and a half in, and you're right, right. You're asking, you know, do they have duck? Yeah, right. Yeah. Or there's or if you try to play through that and go, or your party has assembled in the tavern, and have, and after having a great meal of this, well, I didn't want to have that. What else? Whether my choice? No, you don't have that. And already people are unhappy. So right. And then a fight breaks out, and you're like, why am I a DM? Right. Why did I why did I sign up for this? So Right, exactly. All right. Uh, That's all I had to say about food. I don't have much more to say about food. There's not a lot going on, right? Right. But we wanted to I guess I guess your idea was after food that you wanted to almost simulate the Thanksgiving event for is that basically what you want to do? But our twist on it, is that the idea? I'd like yes. I'd like to talk briefly cuz look, when else are we going to have the opportunity to do this? I'd like to talk briefly about the American Indian mythos. Yes. Because, right, Jim Ward included American Indian mythos. And I think they're pretty cool. And I don't need to go through each one of these, but, you know, I read through them and I got to tell you, it, it was enjoyable. It was a fun read. I think that a lot of these are very interesting. They're quite powerful. I don't know when I would ever use these as they are because, and I'd like to know, maybe people in the chat, I mean, what use do you make of American Indian mythos straight up? I mean, are you having an American Indian campaign? I mean, some of these are more easy to, easy to use, right? Like the Greek mythos, the right. Finnish mythos, they make a little bit more sense. Um, the well, American- in the context that the default fantasy world is a medieval one and that the Greco-Mesopotamian were predated and they were known about it, and, or Egyptian, that if you left the medieval, you go there, you don't see easily how you'd get to the American Indian one or the Central American or whatever the case may be. Exactly right. And so I, I, I would struggle to figure out how to use them. But, but what I think perhaps is, you know, you can use them. Like I think we've talked about this before. 
you know, what, what are your thoughts on using, say, the rat god from Lankmar, who is awesome, and just sort of, you know, importing him in, sure. um, getting ideas for deities. And I think a lot of these deities are really interesting. Um, you know, I love the fact that they can assume, you know, one can be like a large raven or they can they can turn – a lot of them can turn into animals and things like that. So I thought this could be, gives, would be a lot of good ideas. I mean, if you're looking for interesting deities – I would not overlook the American Indian mythos, um, you know, because we got we've got the raven, something that I see right. Right. It's very and I love raven is this great transformer trickster. Uh, what page are you on? Sure, I'm on page twelve of deities and demigods. First, I like this idea. You've got this idea of a sacred bundle. There's a lot of interesting ideas where, you know, you got to collect all these items, and then it gives you added bonuses. So this idea that a cleric may have a sacred bundle, which has these items that he or she has collected through a lot of effort. And, you know, you got to see it's like a scavenger hunt. Like, okay, you know, slowly through adventures, if you can pick up these things, you get a sacred bundle, and it gives you bonuses. I just – I like that stuff because I think it helps bring clerics – and religion and D&D to life, and I like that. Right. So the sacred bundle I thought was a very cool idea. Um, the raven is great. So the raven is great polymorph-shaped change abilities. He can appear in virtually any form he chooses. In addition to a raven, he may also appear as a fox, a jay, or the moon. He only fights as a last resort and then only as a giant raven. I just, I just love the idea of a giant raven. Although he's known as a great provider for mankind, the raven loves to play tricks usually for the purpose of obtaining food to satisfy his ravenous appetite. So it's um, like Vaprak as a bird. Yes. Isn't that great? So, I mean, look, you don't need to be doing an American mythos, uh, Indian mythos campaign or American Indian campaign to have the raven as, like, a really cool. I mean, I could see the raven as, like, a gnome deity, in all honesty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like an equivalent of a big raven, this guy is a gnome deity. Um, and the coyote is great because he's also, he's primarily bullying, greedy, trickster that's a great deity yeah his chaotic personality makes him difficult to understand he's usually accompanied by a wolf or sometimes by a giant fox wildcat badger porcupine that's awesome his tricks often backfire on him that's great too he's a deity and his tricks are often backfiring on him his role is primarily that of a cowardly thief and his his followers are most often uh are thieves who want to improve their thieving abilities um or to be granted tricks involving illusionist spells so how cool is that i mean can you see like his coyote thief deity that these are worshiping so um i just thought they were very cool um a lot of them are obviously very much related to nature Mm -hmm. you've got the thunder spirit you got the fire god i like the god of racing he just shows up he's like let's race (laughs) He just shows up in the village. He's like, let's go, dude. Let's race. You've got a lot of heroes, which are interesting that these heroes have so many hit points. Because I would have thought a hero is just like a standard character, right. which is just really cool. But they're like Super a bad. druid. Yeah, and they've got all the character classes, too, like many, many character classes. Um, and so I thought the heroes are very cool. you got the winter spirit, the snake man. Uh, the snake man. You know, the thunderbird is awesome. Um and so, yeah, I, I was very impressed with. So I recommend that people look at American Indian mythos to give them ideas for cares uh, for deities. Some of these are crazy. Like one of them had like you do a, a lightning bolt, I think, for like a very, very long distance. Uh, my guess is it would be probably 
the fire god. Um, the god is very fond of destroying villages by fire. Nice. They do not make sacrifices to him. That's awesome, isn't it? Yep. That's, that's, your, uh, that's your wizard in the village now, this version of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I look, you know, the snake man. The snake man can summon five to 500 random types of snakes to serve him once per day. Okay, that's frightening, right. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So I thought that what we would do is, oh, yeah, and, and the Thunderbird can cast one lightning bolt per round at any target from 50 to 300 yards away. That's long. I mean, I don't know what the lightning bolt is for the magic user spell. Uh, that's pretty far. I was going to say 300 yards away, um, lightning bolt. You have to be pretty high level to do that, just yeah. based on so, that. So, um, so what I thought we'd do, too, is I thought we would randomly select. So we're going to change the Thanksgiving thing. Uh, unlike the story uh, that you know, is the common lore that the pilgrims, after suffering a terrible winter and whatever, the Indians, uh, the Native Americans, assisted them, and they came together for a meal of blessing and, and unity. Uh, in Dan's reportrayal that he sent to me last night, he would like what? Well, I would like some combat between a randomly rolled Native American deity mm -hmm. and a pilgrim and, 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 and have that. So kind of like a special sort of random encounter. I'd also like to talk a little bit about pilgrims, though, because, you know, again, I think, you know, what's amazing about first edition AD&D is it's things that you think were boring if you actually read it, it almost seems there's always something interesting. That's right. And, and I don't know if you've ever, I had not ever read the entry for Pilgrim Under Men. I'm on page 69 on in the Monster Manual. James, had you ever read the entry for Pilgrim? The entire thing? Probably not. Right? I mean, and if you look, the picture seems kind of boring down there. There's no creature eating anybody. I mean, right? I mean, that, yeah. that doesn't invite me to want to read about If those are the pilgrims down there, I don't know if it is. Those could be merchants. Those, it's hard to those say. Might be, it might be merchants. They've got a lot of goods. In any event, that picture, whether it's merchant or pilgrim, is not making me very interesting. But, but I'd like to talk briefly about pilgrims. And, and, and what I want to focus on pilgrims is this idea that they could be chaotic evil or lawful evil. Right. So you have 10 to 100 appearing Pilgrims are simply groups of individuals on their way to visit some place which is holy, and of course I love the parentheses here, or unholy uh, place to them. Thus, they are found nearly everywhere. They're going to have clerics, right? If they're, you know, a, a group of pilgrims always have following additional characters, they're going to have clerics. They can also have monks. And so what you have is you basically have a, can you imagine a horde? Let's say upwards close to 100 lawful evil pilgrims marching to an unholy place. And, you know, they've got – if they're lawful evil, all the pilgrims will fight as berserkers. berserkers that's right. Right? Although they'll be armed with daggers, if the party is chaotic evil, the thieves will be assassins of the level indicated. They're going to have clerics. They can have magic users. So I don't know. I just have this idea – of a horde of like 90 lawful evil pilgrims with they're going to be fighting as berserkers and they are 
you know, they're marching to this unholy place. So I don't know. It seems like somebody out there might be able to do something. Right. With Which based a, on your um, us looking at a history through the lens of the Native Americans, you could argue that that's basically what happened. You, you, one, you know, you could certainly make that or I'm not going to ascribe an alignment to the, the, the pilgrims that came from England. That's up to others to decide. But if you notice, as you notice the alignment percentages, 35 percent of pilgrim hordes. So pilgrim hordes are only uncommon. So, you know, your chance of seeing one of these is the same as finding a turkey. Right. right. We know they're common and it's 10 to 100. And there's a 35 percent chance that group is evil. That's right. kind of one, frightening. One in three is going to be an evil group. Isn't that kind of frightening? So, like, you see a group of pilgrims coming. You just see a group of pilgrims coming. Right, exactly. That's, like, could be really, really bad news. Right, exactly. And so if you don't have the time to calculate this, if you have your rogues gallery, one of the official products from TSR back in the day, on page 32, it has predetermined pilgrims lists. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. There you go. So group one has 103. Uh, Whoa. Group three? Yeah. Well, the way that's, that... That's, beyond, that's, burst, that's busting the uh, number appearing range. Well, the way they determine is there's 80 pilgrims on foot, five second-level clerics, four fourth-level clerics, one sixth-level cleric, one eighth-level, one first-level fighter, two seconds. So these you, you determine how many pilgrims are in the group first. Then you do all the, the chances. So it says... In the monster manual, the way that the way it's again, this is official. Um, a group of pilgrims will always have the following additional characters. So there will always be clerics, regardless. Oh, I see what you're saying. The ten to a hundred is just the the actual pilgrims. Oh, then I see. Then you get the additional. They will always have one to six. Second level, one to four, fourth. Oh man, this is getting rough. One to two, sixth level, one eighth level cleric. Oh my! And then there's a twenty five percent chance that a fifth or sixth level monk will be with the party. For every ten pilgrims, there's a ten percent chance that there'll be one to ten fighters. There is a like chance that there'll be one to six thieves, second to seventh level. Five percent chance for ten pilgrims and a magic user. If the, if the pilgrims are lawful good, the fighters will be paladins. If the party is chaotic good, the fighters will be rangers. If the party is, I guess they can be more than uh, two rangers at a time. If the party is neutral, the clerics will be druids. Notice that there's no, there's no chaotic neutral and no lawful neutral here. So, again, suggesting this idea that there's no neutral clerics, right? right. Is this evidence that Gary was not thinking of neutral clerics? Correct. Right? That's pretty much evidence of that. Well, there's, maybe ne there's neutral clerics. It says neutral. Oh, but they're druids, aren't they? Probably druids. Oh, well, that's you're assuming that, correct? But there's not lawful. I don't know. Wait, no, no, no. It says it says that the party is neutral. The clerics will be druids. Oh, okay. There you go. Right. Yeah, it actually says that. So that's pretty. That's getting. We're building up a lot of evidence. Wait, what's our evidence on on, on no neutral clerics? Is Gary? So I think Jim Ward said he never remembers a neutral cleric in one of Gary's games. Yep. The, there is no discussion of the turning ability of neutral clerics, only good and evil. And now in the pilgrim section. It says if they're neutral, they're druids, and there is no lawful neutral or chaotic neutral pilgrims, apparently. Yeah. Well, there's also no neutral good or neutral evil pilgrims. That's which true. Is... That's interesting. What's that all about? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Isn't that weird? Because why couldn't you? 
are you just yeah eternally there's deities that are neutral good right that you would have a pilgrim pilgrim now or now in the um in the rogues gallery which again is an official product by tsr on the bottom of page 32 it says no statistics are provided for ventures as these may be randomly determined on the preceding tables. No alignment has been given for any group or alignments may be determined by the campaign or in the table below. So they also don't provide, they assume, I guess, in the monster manual that the alignment of the players or the characters would be the same as the group. But you could use this and it expands the chart to all nine on here. And it says neutral, clerics are druids here. In this expanded chart, is this, is this for pilgrims specifically? Yes, this is under pilgrims. So well, this, uh, this is under um, that. If since no statistic, this is about the adventurers that are joining the pilgrims. Ah, uh, because you can only you assume the assumption would be that they are the same alignment as right the party as the pilgrims, but they don't have to be. The clerics probably do, but the fighter doesn't have to be the same. Right. Not exactly. No, that's right. I mean, the question is, why are you with them? I mean, well, are you, you may have been hired to, to, to escort them. You know, it's why you join a merchant right. thing. Maybe you're right. going to, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons. So what interests me more is that you come upon, randomly, you come upon a group of pilgrims on a pilgrimage, and it is, let's say, lawful evil. You've got a ton of lawful evil clerics, right, right, in there, and you might have a lot of other baddies in there. Um, 75% likely to be afoot, 25% being mounted. Wow. Could you imagine a horde of 100-plus lawful evil pilgrims, bunch of clerics, all mounted? Uh, the thieves are assassins. Yeah, that's nasty. You want to get off the road. That's called group two in here. 90 pilgrims on horseback, four second-level clerics, four fourth-level clerics, two sixth-level clerics, one eighth-level cleric, two first-level fighters, one second, one third, two fourth, one sixth-level fighters, one seventh-level fighter, one seventh-level thief, one eighth-level magic user. What do you do when you get to the unholy land? I guess you, you pray, right? It's like you just go there and you, you do your or, or you're walking, you're like, are we supposed to sacrifice someone? Well, who's the sacrifice? And if, yeah. if the other one, if that's one of those, right? If you look left and right and no one's there, the sacrifice, guess who's the sacrifice? Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What time is it? When's the last time we sacrificed? Who was it? What, <laughs> what were you doing last time? Were you supposed to sac- do a bunch of sacrifice? Oh, that was a demon. You sell your soul? That's right. Yes, exactly. You have to sell your soul to get a higher percentage to get the demon to come. Exactly. Louis Pulsifer. What I think is interesting, too, is that the intelligence mean is average to very. So that's interesting. They're right. like just, smart. They're smart, smart pilgrims. So you've also uh, decided that um, that these should be in the spill room of pilgrims have weapons. Yes, and we both thought about this. You reminded me. We, we thought about it independently, and you brought it up. I'm like, yes. So we need to, in honor of... Uh, Ed Greenwood, right? That's right. But we like to say our friend Ed Greenwood. I'm sure he's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He's been on. I don't think he remembers who we are. Well, we consider him a friend. I don't think exactly. who are those guys. Uh, Ed Greenwood, who of course wrote the article about what James? What did you bring up? The second volume, other shot of firearms that yeah. the, these pilgrims should have uh, some kind of 
weapon. So on page 23 of Best of Dragon Magazine, Volume 5, which came out from issue 70, February 1983, it says, A Second Shot of Firearms, because he wrote an original one in episode 60, April 1982. And these are more medieval guns, you know, from the 14th, 13th century, 15th century. Um, But then they had later guns uh, as well. So we have decided that... Um, so he, he has a nice picture on page 23 of it. For those who are online, they'll we'll show you a picture. Yeah, you get to see that somewhat. Um, and so we've decided that the whatever pilgrim is going to fight this uh, Native American deity is going to have a, a early flintlock musket. Great. What's the, is it, so I assume it gives you a range there. I mean, yep, range is in 10, 20, 30. It's pretty short. It's a 70 caliber weapon. Does 3 to 12, shorter, medium, 1 to 10, and it can be shot uh, once per round. Wow, that's pretty quick because I would have thought reloading takes more time, but you know. Well, it's once per minute in this case. Now, yeah, there are other ones that take longer, but yeah. Okay, so I've got a, okay, so whoever's the pilgrim has, the, has a flintlock. Um, all right, this sounds great. So, um, are we ready to uh, settle uh, this matter? We're, we're recreating history, yes, D&D style. So first, so, you're gonna have to decide which random deity is gonna yeah. come. And, and shall we roll to see who is going to play the pilgrim and who is going to play the Native yes. American, sure. American mytho? Okay, so um, you, what do you want to do? You want to just roll a d6? Or, uh, Oh, yeah, one to three. It's you. You're the pilgrim. Four to six. I'm the pilgrim. So, so all right. So, so one to three. Uh, one to three. You're the pilgrim, and four, five, or six. I'm the American Indian mytho. Is that right? Okay. Yes, that's right. No, no, that's all right. It was a one to three. I'm the pilgrim. Four, five, or six years. All right, I'll roll. That's a one. Is that me? I'm the pilgrim, right? No, you're the you're the American. You want to be the? You came up with it. I don't care. I got a flintlock. What are you talking about? Okay. I get to use a, a flintlock? I'm using the flintlock. Now, now I think you should roll to see which pilgrim you are. So, oh, I'm not just like, I'm not you just could be. Four. Yeah, you may be. We're going to find out. So roll the d4. We're going to use the rogues gallery to figure out which pilgrim you are. Oh, this is great. It's a Thanksgiving surprise. I wasn't expecting right. the rogues gallery, too. Okay, so roll uh, a d100. Let's start okay. with that. If you roll okay. above a 90, you're one of the special guys. Got it. So I want to head above 90. I, roll, I rolled a 98. Okay. Who, who 98. am I to? Okay, 98. perfect. So now roll a d20. Okay. So I got a shot. Literally, I've got a yeah. shot. Get it? Uh-huh. An eight. Okay. You are a fourth-level cleric. Oh, a clip. Oh yeah, and this is great because that's not an edged weapon. It's not right? an edged weapon. Now I'm gonna let I'm gonna allow you to have it because you're a pilgrim. Does it? Does that article talk about like which character classes? Can be? Oh, you know I didn't check that. I should have checked that. I don't know if it says that. Let me see. Uh, blah 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 blah. Class restrictions. And we're flipping and we're turning and we're turning and we're flipping. The blah 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 blah. I don't want to lose my flintlock. That'd be terrible. Blah, 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 blah. Doesn't say. I'm sure it may have said it. Nope. It doesn't say. But I'm not reading the whole article because we're live. So uh, I'm going to go with you are allowed to use it. Cool. So I'm a fourth level cleric. Right. So, well, let's find out what your alignment is. Oh, 
Yeah, right. So we're going to do it on the. Do you have a chart there too? On yes, I do. Like yeah, roll, roll percentages. Okay. We're going to use this chart. So this is this is history's judgment on the pilgrims. Yes, that's right. We're going to find out. <laughs> Breaking news. Eighty-one. Eighty. Ooh. Eighty-one. <laughs> Lawful evil. <laughs> Lawful evil. Well, you know, they weren't Which, as lawful as, as 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 Catholicism, I guess, right? right. Because the pilgrims were Well were, you'd be eighty and you'd be eighty one in the monster manual too. So it's eighty one regardless. You're lawful yeah. evil in either chart. So, there, so in the lawful evil pilgrim cleric with a flintlock. I want it that's a t shirt with a flintlock. <laughs> we need that drawn. We need to get right, we need to get the we need to get Henry and then uh, Claiborne on that, right? That's right. Lawful, evil, cleric, pilgrim. With a flintlock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for you, dude. You are so going down. All right. All right. So you're a fourth, you're a fourth level cleric. I shall now uh, pick you know, What was my wisdom? I may have lots of spells, right? Uh, well, I'm going to do that, too, since we're using the... We're going to use that. Hold on. Hold on. Just... I know. I get, so, I get so excited. Uh, you're going to you're gonna to have to figure out your we're gonna figure out what your uh, attributes are. We're not gonna roll them. We're we're rolling you know, the rogues gallery. I'm gonna bring this character mm-hmm. the next time. I, anyway, I'm able to actually attend Gary Khan. I'm gonna bring this character and ask each DM if I can use that this character. Don't that roll. Roll yeah. the flintlock. Roll percentages. Okay. Five. Five. Okay. You ready for these exciting uh, stats? I am. You're a human male, which is good. Okay. Your strength is eight, nine intelligence, seventeen wisdom, eleven dex, nine con, six charisma. <laughs> I love it. Those stats are perfect. I love those stats. It is great. I'm just. What was my intelligence? I'm not even that smart. It was like a nine. Nine. Yeah, you're average. But I'm quite wise, right? Yeah, but I'm yeah. not like not the SAT is not my thing. So I have I get some bonus spells, my friend. You do, you do get bonus spells. But let's see who your deity is first. Oh, that's got that too. No, you, we have to roll your deity. But I mean, the rose gallery has that too. No, right? it doesn't have that. Oh, that would have been too much. I'd be like, yeah, that rose gallery is awesome. How are we going to roll my deity? Well, that's a good know? question. Well, we don't know. <laughs> what lawful evil deities are there? Um, well, you can pick whichever lawful evil deity you want. It doesn't have lawful evil. That's something to think about. Lawful evil deities. No, can I? Can I? Can I have? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce. Since we don't know how to pronounce anything on this show, we might as well just go with Grumsh. 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 You're gonna, gonna go. Grumsh? You're gonna go with the lawful, the orc deity. Well, I'm trying to think of lawful evil. I can't. You know. You could just why don't you just a, worship a de- a devil, Asmodeus, or one of those guys. Oh. Because again, kids, please don't worship deities or or devils and and demons, by the way. Just disclaimer. Oh, I wish I was chaotic because then I would have had, you know, like on my favorite Jubilex. Right, Jubilex you could have done. And and Batrack. Right, exactly. So what you pick because we're we're burning daylight. I'll do Asmodee, sure, why not? Okay, okay. Yeah, you only have six charisma. That's pretty hard. You're you're, you're kind of... You should have been an assassin. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There's fourteen deities and heroes. We're picking one of them, right? One of the random ones. Yes. How many? Yes. How many Native American are there? Did you say fourteen? 
Yes. So um, I guess I'm doing. What are we doing? Or you can do. We do maybe a D, a D, uh, twenty till we get uh, one through fourteen. Would be an easy way, right? Um. Yeah. I guess we could do it that way. D fourteen. Uh, there's too many excess numbers. You're trying to figure out a way with fewer excess numbers. I mean, we could do a D8 and 2 would be 16. Yeah, well. How do you yeah. do 14? Yeah, one this it's, it's D7, which we don't have. So <laughs> so just, yeah, you know, roll 2D8, and we'll do a D8 and then a D6. Okay. okay. I rolled a 1 and an 8, so that'd be 8. That means we don't know what it is. Wait, what do you mean it doesn't? I mean, oh, eight. It's eight, right? All right, two, four, six. Yeah, that's fine. That we is... Need? No, that's good. You are two, four... That's right, dice don't lie. Two, four, six. You are Kazgwag, the you hero. Are. You are. Oh, I am. That's right. I'm Kazgwag, the hero. I'm, I'm neutral good. I'm a ranger. Oh. This makes perfect sense. This is perfect. Where are you? How do you spell that? <laughs> page 15, the oh, top of page 15. Kwagwaz, the hero. Kwagwaz, I'm the hero. The powerful warrior can be found chasing and capturing horses and buffalo in the plains for sport and entering villages to test his strength against the best warriors there. He fights with a huge wooden club, letting his strength do the talking for him. A hero of the plains, he seems to exist to set an example for the best words of any given tribe to copy. Always the first in battle. Quagwas is also, I love this, a favorite among women. <laughs> That's, that is so 1980, isn't it? That's good. What's your charisma? You're 18. Yeah, I'm 18. I'm straight 18. You're normal? How did you get a 19 strength and a 19 wisdom? Oh, yeah, well, you can get 19 wisdom, can't you? You can. Is it that possible? Then they say if, something, there's a controversy. If, if, you, if, you, if you age, that's the only thing that can go up. So you're, right, but so I don't know how you got your 19 strength, but you're awesome. Right, so you're, I'm a hero. You're a 12th level ranger. Yep, that's why. You're a 5th level bard. I love it. You do. Can you do bard stuff? You can do bard I could, stuff. I could try to charm you, I guess. Yes. You like play the something. I don't know, an Indian instrument. I am probably not a lute. Yeah. But you could play an, a Native American the instrument. Pan, the pan flute. It's always they use the right? That's uh, yep. when you always hear Native American things, some kind of flute. You should have sound. peyote before battle. I, I, why do you assume that everyone just does peyote? I, I, did, I didn't. I'm not, I'm just, I was just asking. <laughs> Wow, this guy's a total stud. Twelfth level. Yeah. Oh, you have spells then too, because you're twelfth level ranger. Yes, and fifth level bard. I'm, I'm just going to straight out attack you because you have come onto our land. You're unholy, yeah. and you need to be smited. I am. You just need to club me to death. I'm just <laughs> like, yeah. I walk in. It's like all Asmodeus, like you know, paraphernalia. <laughs> we will claim this land for Asmodeus. Make yeah. it a hell. Make it a hellscape of McDonald's yeah. and Bed Baths and Beyonds and. Yep. I'm I'm here to try to, to stop that from happening. You're right. So I'm right. So I've arrived at this land, <laughs> what I think is right, uh, my, this holy land, but I guess unholy land, right? Right. right. And I'm like, yeah, we're taking this over. Well, you've just you've already destroyed where you came from. It's already a hellscape, and now you're. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do is, in my first declare action, I'm going to offer you a treaty, a contract. Like, we'll give you some land. Right. And out west, you just go there, and we'll leave you alone. That's going to be right. my first declare action. We'll see how that right. goes. Yeah, and I'm going to have to make a save, uh, make, an intel make a wisdom save, which is 19. And if this is true to history, I, I roll a 20, and I don't make a save, because even awesome. though— Yeah, right. I'm going to put 
Right. You're going to try to parlay. I'm going to. We're having, we're having cockatrice, right? <laughs> we're at the, the dinner, the cockatrice dinner, and I'm going to do that parlay. That's right. We just, you, you, I smelled, I was like, oh, what's that strange smell of, that's not turkey. Oh, it's burning cockatrice. And I've come, well, I've sh- extended. Creature. Oh, we brought it over from Europe. That's right. From the other land. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, we, we were introducing this. It's, it's the Turkey of Europe. That's right. <laughs> Turkey of Europe. We brought two. It's like the Ark. <laughs> we brought... <laughs> All right, <don't> <laughs> uh, it's not just for dinner. The cockatrice. Turkey of Europe. Can I pick my spells now? If you, if you insist. Oh, come on, man. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Wait, what was my wisdom? Was it 18? 17. So I get two first level, two second level, and a third. No, you don't, you're not high enough level to get a third. You're fourth level cleric. Oh, Bomaruski. So you okay. get five and four. Wow, you're fast. Thank you. So I get, All right, I will now pick my spells. Right. Always an exciting part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I love playing cleric. So this is actually awesome. I got to tell you, I actually love this guy. This lawful evil cleric who worships his Modi as a flintlock, this guy has got to make an appearance somewhere in one of our adventures right, that we run. You're going to have to name him. So hold on. i got to write notes. Right. Back to writing show notes. Flint. I'm a flint. That's right. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Fourth level cleric, Asmodeus. Yep. Flint Lockman. Flint Lockman. <laughs> Do you remember his stats? Because those stats were awesome. Oh, yeah. I'll get it for you. Yeah. He was number five in the Rogue Scale. We just have a show where we randomly create characters. Why do we... Don't... We have children who watch our show. You really want them to be tortured by while we roll characters? I don't know. Yeah, right. We need to... We need to... Our fans have spoken. They want Pixie and Glade. I'm not sure they want this, but okay. Is it Glade or Glades? I think it was Glades. I think it was... I called it Glade. You're like, no, no, no. It's Glades. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, so, yeah, your stats are 8, 9, 17, 11, 9, 6. And, I'll, and, and, and I don't have to be uh, Flint, Locks, the Lockman. If other people have good names, and that, that's great. So we'll throw it out there. That's just possible. You're a Ranger Lord. Yeah. Do you know that? I do know that. But there's more. There's not just one Ranger Lord, is there? Right. Or is there? No, I, no, there's more than one. Okay. I can't. Contr- I can. I obviously can't travel with three or more ranger lords or any rangers, but in the same area. So, I think you can on a pilgrimage, though, maybe because the pilgrims said that they the fighters are rangers, and you could have more. That might be a special rule there. Oh, that, yeah, that's a good idea. It's like, do I have to leave the the tavern because you show like? Okay, oh, are there any? I gotta ask that everywhere I go. Are there any other rangers? No, there's a, there's a board when you enter. You're entering this area, and it says like in and, in and out. Yeah, you know. Yes. Currently, currently, two rangers. So you got a bunch of uh, rangers just sitting outside the region, right? Waiting. Oh, right. Now I can and come like the in. Baddies, the baddies are always like putting two, so the rangers never come. They're like laughing. Okay. All right. I will now pick my spells real quickly because I know we got to talk about uh, dragon. Yeah, and, and poor Vic has been standing on hold, so we we are way behind. All right, all right, all right. Hold on. All right, cleric spells, fifth level. All right. I am taking. Uh, I'm going to take a command. I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take, uh, obviously purify, I should really take five purify food and drinks. I'm of course going to take purify food and drink. Or putrefy in this case. Yes, I'll take putrefy food and drink. 
I'm going to take a bless, command, uh, putrefy, feud, and drink, and um, sanctuary, and uh, I'm going to take uh, create water. Okay. <laughs> I'm the drink. All right. And um, I get four second level. Yeah, augury. This is going to go badly. Um, uh, I'm going to do um, old person. I'm going to do spiritual hammer, augury, and I'm going to do, I'll do a uh, second hold person. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, roll okay. 4d8 for your hit points. Oh, yeah, that's right. My con was low, though. It's not so low I get a negative, is right. it? A 1, a 5, that's 6, plus 7, 13, and 5. Okay, 18. All right. I'm going to give you uh, chain mail and shield. So. Well, thank you. So is that 4? Yep, AC 4. Wait, but can I use a shield with a flintlock? I don't think that's going to no, work. No, you'd, you'd have to put that down. So AC 5. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay, so I guess it's initiative. You, your declared action is... Yeah, we're just at the dinner table. Can, can we just do like a parlay oh, first? Oh, okay, that's fine, yes. Just, this is just conversation at the Thanksgiving table. Right. And like you had mentioned, much like Thanksgiving now, we I'm probably infecting you with disease, right. and we're, we're going to need a disease roll probably well, for I, you. Yes, right? I'm going to do... The, we talked about doing disease roll as well. I mean, you're not going to die from it at the table probably. Right. But you probably should roll to see if you die. Well, first let's um, do a reaction roll because you have now made your pitch since we're not in combat. Yeah, I'd like to offer you um, some land and a treaty, an agreement that you go west, far away, into maybe the Dakota Territory, and um, we will not we will not mess with you there forever. Right. So, so you have what's your charisma six? <laughs> oh, it's gonna be immediate attack. It could be. We're gonna find out. Ooh, 38. What's your negative on players? Look at your charisma bonus. Oh, that's true. Hang on. Yes, I will get that for you. I see. Yes. Charisma. I'm flipping and turning. Charisma of six is a minus 10%. Okay, so I rolled a 38, so 20. Yeah, 28. Uncertain, but 55 prone towards negative. So let me see. Oh, I'm uncertain. Oh. I, I, you speak, you speak in forked tongue, kind of thing. It's like it's kind of going accurately, right? Yeah, it's I'm suspicious, which is I was right. Uh, okay. okay, so, but so you're not so, buying it quite yet, right? I'm, I'm definitely not buying it, and <clears throat> now I'm going to make my wisdom save. If I roll a twenty, I will buy this thing. If not, I've decided that you're you're talking ridiculousness and you need to go, which means yeah. then you have to decide. So right. Done. I rolled an eleven. Uh, this is nonsense. This is your your deity is trying to confuse us. We we don't want you here. All right. Yeah. All right. So I am obviously slowly inching my way over to grab that flintlock. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's so, like, oh, can you? Oh, let me grab some cranberry sauce. For, for the and, cockatrice. Co that's right. Yeah, for the cockatrice. It tastes better with cranberry sauce. And um, all right. So now we are now declaring action. I'm grabbing that's, my flintlock. That's right. He has picked up his club and is going to send you back, try to hit you back into we the... Like across the table from each other? I want, yeah, we're across the yeah, table. Yeah. I want a good image. Like you're stepping in like the potatoes, mashed potatoes. Yeah, I'm jumping at you. Because <laughs> you're on the table. 
Yeah, climbed up and <laughs> I've heard like, enough. Uh, I've heard yeah, enough. I'm gonna throttle you with scatters, this. Like all the other pilgrims, just gone. And I'm just exactly. being you. Let's do it, dude. I rolled a four for initiative. I rolled a three. All right, so I, he's he, he gets his one attack this round. Okay. I said your AC four. Oh, he misses. Really? Even as a even as a twelfth level. Well, let me see. He's pl- he's twelfth level ranger. What armor class are you? Four, I said. Uh, uh, well, without the shield, would I right. get five chainmail? Five. You'd be five. That's right. Twelfth level. I'm five. Oh, he, oh, he hit. He hit. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. He needs a two. I thought he needed a. I thought he needed a five, a six, but he needs a two. Oh, and you get three attacks for every two rounds. Do so you? Yeah. So you're... I attack once this round. I attack twice next time. Okay. So he has a club, right? Oh, it's huge. Gone. Oh, yeah. And so the second time, when you go twice, you always go first, right? Yeah. Next time I go first, but this Got time. Okay, so you take 11 points of damage. Ooh, what was I? You have 18. Ooh, okay, so you just, like, whack me. All right. And so, so but now, now you get your shot. You get your shot with your blunderbuss. Or not your blunderbuss, yeah, with wait, your wait, flintlock. Wait till you see this magic. This is kind of appropriate, because, like, you would think this is magic. Like, I'm firing yeah. magic missiles. Yeah, exactly. It's a terrible what is, weapon. What is this? All right. You are at short range, my friend. Yeah, Some like, like, sticking this in your belly. <laughs> yeah, so roll d d20. All right, here we go. What's your AC? Oh, my AC's not very good. It's like a six or something. Yeah, because you're just like a normal hero. So, yeah, all right. AC six. So you do have 150 hit points. Yes. <laughs> yeah, details. 16, my friend. Oh, that hits. Oh, this is ugly. There's you like just... blood all over the... the, the cockatrice and the into the potatoes you just shot the poor uh, native american hero all right roll a d10 what's wrong with you dude? you're ruining dinner all right what do you say d10 whoa that locks nasty six oh i'm sorry it's three to twelve i apologize oh three whoa. to twelve okay so that is a uh, uh four times wait three times on the four side right that's correct the three it's a four at seven, nine total. Nine. So he's now at 141 hit points. Ooh, shot you right in the leg. <laughs> All right, it's initiative. Even though I, I get to go first. Wait, wait, if we're meleeing, can I still like shoot you, or do I have to use this thing as a club? Like, how am I like? <laughs> well, it says rate of fire, one man, one per round. Is it like this... a spell though? Like, are you interrupting it as I'm like trying to? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you were kind of dancing around as you're trying to load the thing, I guess. I don't okay. know. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, I didn't read perhaps I'm the... be- Perhaps I'm being distracted by it, but uh, actually I get my automatic attack since I get two attacks. I'll go- Well, we have to roll initiative anyway. Five. And a two. So I get both of my attacks first. I rolled a six, which hits. And I rolled a 16. Revenge. Is sweet. I do a total of sixteen points of damage oh. to. Oh, so yeah, I'm just like head shatters onto the table. It's just like Last of the Mohicans style. I just bash your head yeah. in. Yeah, and then you like call all the other Native Americans over, and you guys finish the meal, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, cockatrice becomes the. Now I have to check for disease since you oh, brought right. some. Oh, wait a second. Divine intervention. Oh, and divine intervention, of course. Right. So you, I'll work on the disease while and you I'm see Asmodeus. I'm a pilgrim. Oh, that's right. This is Asmodeus. I was like, going to be, is it like the big man coming? The real big man? If you roll it, if you roll it. Asmodeus. I rolled a 71. That was you, weren't that, you weren't that pious, unfortunately. All right. 
Okay. So okay. now we have to see there's a certain percentage chance that... You weren't wearing a mask. No, I was not wearing a mask. And unfortunately, you brought this... Uh, so I have to roll percentages to see if I'm even close. Fortunately, I'm not infected. Base chance of contracting disease 2% and then there's a bunch of variables. I did not get it. Oh, but I could get a parasitic infection. Nope, that's good too. Wow. So, um, you know, uh, count one for the Native Americans here. They've won. This. this this version of history is a little bit more kind to the American Indians. Yep. All right. So there it was. So that that was a great Thanksgiving meal. So in you know in the tradition of instead of getting together and giving thanks for what we have in common. In this case, it'll be like this year's Thanksgiving where a conversation erupts in violence. Yes. This was, and then you got to pick, and then, and then there's a percentage chance you get a disease. This is, yeah, this was the 2020 version. Uh, I'm sorry, the 1980 version. Yes. Of, it, of, conflict, uh, g- gunfire, and clubbing to death. Yes. And uh, chance of disease. Racial animosity. <laughs> we had it all at this one little dinner. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Excellent. Oh, the humanity. All went down. <laughs> oh, that's, that is pretty funny. Okay. All right. I think that's all the Thanksgiving theme stuff we had, right? That's right. That was our Thanksgiving special. And that was enough. <laughs> and for, for those, you're welcome. Um, oh, that's not it. Hold on. So let me get... Uh, let me get, so we are talking about Dragon 43. I liked it. As, as scary as it sounds, we have Dragon 43 to talk about. Yep. Uh, hold on. I've got to make this smaller. So make what, it... what we're doing is for, for those of you who are not familiar with the show, we are this year, we've been going through the Dragon magazines and the white doors from 40 years ago each month. So we, James and I have, Looked through Dragon Magazine from November 1980. Right. So this is Dragon 43. And the cover's okay. I'm not sure it's like a witch, but of course, there's some really good articles. I agree with you. This is one of the better dragons. But do you, that, do you, it's, it's interesting that the witch was in November. I mean, it would have been awesome for the witch to have been in... In October. October, right? But I'm right. glad we didn't talk about... Because I actually wanted to talk about the witch last time. We didn't. Of course, Carlos Leising had a witch in Incomprehensible Death. Uh, but I'm glad that we didn't talk about it because we've got it in this one. But so, all right. So I'll let you... you as you know, I do not see. Uh, so if you could, you know... Well, you let's, can, let's, let's see if we can... Let's see what see happens. I can see. Because James usually likes to... I'll put it up on screen so we can do our fair use commentary. Yeah, there's the witch. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. We're not we're not quite yet at the covers that I really like. I mean, I think the artwork is great, but uh, we're not quite at the type of artwork that I remember. Uh, right, right. It's it's. it's I, I'm not. I don't like the washed out colors of that late '70s, mid '70s style. I like the more vibrant colors, you know, and so. Um, I mean, again, some of these, even the DMG in this, you know, they're not so bright, but they're not completely washed out like that version. I don't know. It must have been a style. No, I agree with you completely. Agree with you completely. So, okay. All right. Scrolling through, scrolling through, uh, editor's notes. Um, I'm going to keep moving forward, cover to cover. 
talks about what's in the adventure. There's a lot of good stuff. Now we're on Out of the Limb, correct? That's the first one. Yeah, is that the, and I'm a little behind on it, is, yeah, is Out of the Limb, is that the one where he's talking about what, if you're submitting a manuscript? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that was above there. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'll just we'll comment on that. I mean, not, not a lot. I think, I assume that was probably Jake Chiquette. It's Jay, I think Jake Chiquette yeah. is a writer. Yeah, no, yeah. I thought it was very, I, I thought it was funny. I read that, I mean, about what people are sending in. And basically, you know, it was like, don't make it too X rated. <laughs> don't, um, you know, it needs, we don't just care about a novel based, don't, you know, based upon your adventure that you just ran. You need to have a beginning and an end to be continued. We're not publishing to be continued, <laughs> you know, because, you know, it right. needs to, it, and so I just, I thought that was kind of funny. That stuff still rings true. I think for people who are probably wanting to write stuff, um, uh, what, what, what would be a good submission. So, okay. Yeah. You keep moving though. There's nothing amazing there. Right. I did think it was kind of humorous uh, that, you know, people had to be told these kind of things. So nothing has changed. Right. It's the same thing we tell people on Twitter and Facebook, you know, be respectful. Right. All right. So now we're on out on the limb. Do you see what I'm seeing now or not? I think I'm a little bit behind. I do not see out on a limb yet, but if you just describe to me. You don't see it? Okay. No, I don't. I, mean, I never have. I never, things never go well with me for this screen. I still, I'm frozen on the, and now I just, are you going to try it again? Yeah. I'm gonna... I see you. Okay. And you can describe to me. I remember the stuff. So if you start describing what it is, I'll remember it. All right, well, this is, you know, My Soul for Issue 39, The Psychic Angels, which, again, our dear friend Bill Fawcett wrote, and, you know, that was very controversial. They're talking about, um, should, since devils have psionics, should angels do? And, and Bill replies, yes, which, and then he gives the stats for it, which I thought was super cool. And, of course, in the problem there, Gygax took issue with the angels, right? Right. He, he said it was cutting too close. And I thought it was very interesting because there was a letter there where the person said, well, look, you've got demons and devils. Why is that not cutting it too close? And if I recall, it actually was a response from Gary Gygax yeah, to that. That's later in the thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was interesting. Then there's The Plain Truth, which, again, was Roger Moore to Len LaKafka talking about the plainer things. And, again, we, we just lost Len recently, so you know, every time you see him and his— detail is, is truly, you know, it's just sad to see, but he's was such a contributor to the art and he's has a big article in here as well. Indeed. And wow. And I had not noticed that, that it is, is that the Roger Moore? Do you think? Uh, I, I would assume so. Yeah. Very interesting. I did not notice that. And I thought that was interesting because continually this issue of when you're on another plane, what effect does it have on spells? So if you're on right, if you have a frost brand and you're in a cold place, a hot place, what effect? And that, of course, makes things complicated. And the rules we have now, we didn't have any real rules for that, right? And I know maybe they were, we got rules, but that stuff was all sort of, you had to just decide it on a case-by-case -case basis, the DM, if I recall. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so now the witch class. Is it showing what I'm doing? I'm, yeah, it absolutely does. There's the witch. So here's, I, if you, I believe that in Holmes Basic, there was a reference to the witch class going to be in AD&D. Somewhere there's a reference to the witch class is going to be a subclass of magic user, and it hmm. never happened. And I don't know if Gary ever maybe on you know the Dragon's Foot uh, uh, thing talked about why they didn't have what would happen to the witch class, but it was like the, the class that was supposed to be in wasn't. And, and, and I always wondered about that, why it didn't happen. Um, I, you know, so what's your view on the witch class? Because I know, James, oftentimes you're not a big fan of too many 
subclasses because you think you can simply play, say, a magic user or a cleric in a particular way. What was your, what's your view on the witch class? Well, I, I agree. I think it's fascinating. Well, to me, what I wrote, man, is I wish they would have spent this much time on the classes in the player's handbook. Right. You know, all these, the alchemists and the duelists, I mean, they have pages and pages of information for these NPCs, whereas I guess the argument is, well, then the players can flesh it out themselves. But I've found, at least for beginning players, they really struggle with fleshing things out. They need to be spoon-fed more. And this would be really nice if they would have had this. And I think in later editions, obviously, they do that. But it just felt like, wow, there's just so much detail, so much richness. Who wouldn't want to play this character? And I think that's what happened. Like the necromancer, like they're just really cool, whereas the fighter is so generic and the magic user is so generic. And I, I'm sure there's an argument either way, but that was my takeaway. It's like, I really wish they would have gave some more examples in the player's handbook, spent more pages, and come up with something a little bit better for the, the base classes. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting discussion. I, I agree with you that my sense is probably that it, you had less detail for the PC classes because it was expected that you would flesh it out. That I mean, we know a lot of people think you should flesh it out as you campaign, that they don't like big backstories because they think your backstory should be created basically as you go forward. Uh, you know, the witch is very detailed. I, I was blown away with how detailed it is. Uh, what I do like about the witch class is that it is different, right? So it, it's not just, uh, you know, something very basic. I mean, it takes, it, it really, it gives you additional spells, which I think is great, right? Because we've talked about this with clerics, that it would be great if clerics had spells based upon their deity and maybe some different spells based upon their deity. I think that's a lot of fun. And and you really get that with the witch class. I mean, the stuff about like the candle making and the different colored candles. Right. <laughs> was great right and, and you're making love potions and oh, that's an interesting thing keep going with the love go on keep going yeah right i mean actually yeah you see this brew love potion and uh, truth drugs and uh the candle magic and and you can brew poisons and narcotics and so it was i thought very and then there's additional spells down there right so yep. it's kind of like a hybrid right the witch seems to be like a cleric kind of a what would you call, would you call it a cleric magic user hybrid yeah exactly and druid yeah. uh, druid, and druid. Druid, cleric, yeah, it's got a little bit of everything. So, I, so, so I think the witch sounds like a great baddie. I mean, you know, so I like the Annie Paladin. Um, I like the witch class, and and now I understand why Carlos likes Carlos Lising likes the witch class so much. Uh, it's I I think it's a very interesting write up. I don't know that I would want. Some, you know, it's interesting. So the question is, then, would you let someone play a witch, Stephen Colbert? who played D&D, I think, talked about how he one of his characters was a witch. And I don't know if it was the first iteration or if it was the second one. But So, James, if and you can be any alignment, I believe, right? I believe so. Well, yeah, just, just like Wizard of Oz, right? You can be the good witch or the evil witch. Right. The bad and witch. What I thought was interesting, as usual, it's, you know, it's elf, boy, elves are... <laughs> Elves are the favored children, right? Elves get to be pretty much, right? Elves can be uh, magic users. Half-elves can be druids. Elves and half-elves always are getting the classes, pretty much. Um, but what's interesting is what you can be, it said you can be a human or an elf. Why can't you be a half-elf witch? Right. 
Would that make sense? I mean, I'm no. willing to be convinced. I just, I don't understand why you... And then, and then they could be multi-class. Elven witches multi-class. So you could be a fighter witch. It's some yeah. crazy... You could be, yeah, because else can you, can you be a fighter witch? What does it take? Does it take the place of anything? Or can I be a fighter, magic user, cleric witch? <laughs> why not? As he says, elven witches may be multi-class characters. And yeah. I'm sorry, I can't see the chat right now. So if you're all leaving chats, I apologize. It's just the, the limitation of our setup. So... Um, hopefully people are not too bent out of shape from that. I don't want to mess with since it's working. But the other thing, I, I use this, so I was looking at the intelligence bonus for spells. I do this for magic users. I never, yeah. you know, um, so for those who are listening to podcasts, currently in AD&D, or not currently, like it's first edition, if clerics had a high enough wisdom, like Dan was doing for his evil pilgrim uh, musket man, <laughs> He can get bonus spells. Why magic users could not get that didn't make any sense. And I'm sure someone asked at some point. I don't know what the answer was. But, you know, the poor magic user's first level, he's got one spell, could be mending, and he shoots his mending and then he, or push, and he's done for the day. So I allowed in my campaigns, and I'm sure lots of other people did, to, if they had high enough intelligence, they got bonus spells with the same concept. And here... In the in the witch NPC, they have that thing. If they if the witch has high enough intelligence, they get bonus spells. It's not exactly the same as the uh, setup as clerics do, but it was nice to see that because it's you know similar to what I think is fair. Because then magic users have you know they they have a chance to actually do something and not just be an XP sponge. Now, the next part is you mentioned the love potion. So I'm not sure. Have you been listening to or understand the latest, some latest controversies that have come up? Are you talking about with fifth edition? Yes. I don't pay a lot of attention to it. So no. So it ties back to first edition. Remember, we were trying to have the Hickmans on, correct? Correct. And, 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 and I'm surprised you haven't read this. There's a lawsuit by Hickman and Weiss against uh, Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro. I, I do know that about the Dragonlance novels. Right. I think. So yeah. uh, I, I would like you to have a report next time since, you know, this is your background. <laughs> uh, the, the grounds and how, how good a case this is based on the uh, lawsuit that was submitted. And maybe you could be like the play-by-play. You could go to the court in Seattle. So yeah, we should use. Yeah, we should use our our patron, patron money. Yeah, you should send me. You're right. I should go. You're brilliant, James. Yes, thank I need you. To send on assignment. Court to different places. Dan, court reporter. Yes, I need to report it for grog meat, right? Because isn't I think uh, right, Dirk the Dice and folks having the grog meat. You should send me there. That'd be nice. Okay, that would. So well, probably- apparently, one of the challenges that has uh, Hasbro Wizards of the Coast had with the the manuscript was that they had put a love potion in the thing and that, you know, it was going to beguile one of the characters and they had it. I guess that's not appropriate anymore that love potions are there. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't, I mean, it's a game. That doesn't bother me at all. So now so you, you can do love would, in my game. This would, this would not be done. This would not be allowed in later editions. Well, so. you know, you probably shouldn't be killing people either. You know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff going here. Right? That, that can go a long way. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, so I guess I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't. So am I in trouble for playing a lawful evil pilgrim who pulled out a flintlock and tried to kill 
the, the hero at the dinner table? Eh, probably. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. The, the, yes, you are. Correct. <laughs> well, I just randomly roll it. It's not like I want to like shoot you. And you attacked me first anyway. Yeah, but now we're talking about squabbles of history and the winner. Yeah, as well. The winner, the winner, the winner wrote, wrote the history in this right, case. Right. So, but so. no, I give thumbs up to the witch class. I would not probably. I don't know that I'd want someone to be a witch. It's a, a witch is a little too weird. I don't think I'd want a PC witch. I probably would be very reluctant to do that. I've softened my view on some of this stuff. Like I, I like Fogers now, uh, which I probably right now I'm not there yet. But I think a witch would be an awesome big bad. What do you think? Would you let somebody play? Can I play a witch, James? No. No. You're a no. Okay. Why? Same reason. No. But it was the same thing with the necromancer and this or that. I don't. It's. It's the same issue with um, if if I was going to allow everyone to play a class, then possibly. But if it wasn't, if it was just you and everyone else is playing a dopey fighter or something that's simple, and they didn't have the choice, then I would say no because there's so there these. I will say the NPC ones are definitely overpowered Mm -hmm. because they're meant to be NPCs. So we would have to go through and tweak them so they would be reasonable. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but great. But thumbs up. I like. I like the witch class. Uh, w- w- very cool NPC. Yeah. So then Tom Moldvay has a thing about real witches, which again. Um, so he's he he kind of talks about that a little bit. So that's interesting. Um, and then there's the levels, and again, you get to level twenty two. You can do limited wish. It's all good stuff. All right. Moving on. Next, we have about uh, conventions, which, since no one's going to conventions, I didn't really read it. Yeah, I didn't spend any time there. I thought this was interesting. So, right, Survival Tips for the Slave Pits by Dave Cook. So basically giving some, I thought it was kind of interesting, right, kind of giving a play-by-play of what right. things you should do, shouldn't do. And I thought this was useful because if you read this, I think it just gives you good general tips, not just for surviving the slave pits, but for in a convention, right? Don't spend a lot of, waste a lot of time picking your equipment and things like that if it's on the clock. So I just I thought this was a lot of good tips in general. Would you agree about if you're playing in a convention tournament? Right. And um yes, and and the mindset that they had when this cuz again, so some of this if you didn't play in conventions 40 something years ago, some of it just doesn't make any sense cuz you don't have the context of it. So it's really good to read this to kind of go, "Oh, that's why this is set up this way. This is how they expect people to play the game and play it well. So yes, I thought that was that was very insightful. Yeah, worth worth a read, even if you're not interested in slave piss, but worth a read. All right, moving on. Uh, Frank Menster is a top dungeon master. Dungeon master. So that's interesting. So again, you see, uh, can you see and the players who are judging him, boy, I, I would th- understand why he'd be nervous. So it's Gary Gygax, Brian Bloom, and Jim Ward, right? right. Were apparently the players. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. A couple of interesting things about Frank. He, did you notice that for his campaign, there were more than 150 player characters were involved in it? And he says it says there he kept track of his major NPCs on index cards and had yeah. 300 or so filed away along with 1,000 or more lesser NPCs. That is dedication. Right. I can't. I can't. Can't fathom. I can't keep track of the notes in the thing I'm doing, let alone having three by fives for all and, that. 
And let me mention another thing that Frank mentioned too. I thought it was very interesting. So he just pause here. He mentioned that he plays by the book. Did you notice that? Where he does not want to deviate, where he says he plays by the book. And he thinks that that is make gives a comfort lever to players because they'll know what the rules are. They can look them up. And I think there's a lot to be said about that, that, you know, it gives that comfort level for the players. So I thought that was very interesting. And I thought what was also very interesting was the people who placed after him. Did you see that? So Errol Otis yep. we've had on the show and we talked about him DMing because he DMed at North Texas placed fourth. So, um, I think it would be a blast to go through an Errol Otis adventure written, oh by, Errol, written by Errol Otis. I want Errol, yeah. Errol Otis's adventure is surely going to be like an Errol Otis drawing. Don't you think? I agree. Weird. And, but weird in an, a great way. Awesome way. Yeah. Right. Um, J. Eric Holmes, right. Um, um check. aside for, aside for, oh, who was second and third? I'm sorry. I, I, I passed over. It doesn't say. Oh, it has to, doesn't it? Lauren Schick was up there. And then they give other people just, you know, they don't give them in order. Well, Al Hammock, Al Johnson. I mean, there's a few. These people are notables. So, Right, right. I think maybe up at the top it may have said second and third. It, it, it may have. Yeah, you're yeah, probably right. But I thought that was interesting, all those those luminaries that were there. Yes, Bob Blake was second, Len Lakofka was third. Yeah, very interesting. So Len Lakofka appears again. So, yeah, so... Um, I thought that was very cool. This is a game. And it gives you a very cool that idea of having a tournament where you judge the DMs as opposed to you judge the players. Right, exactly. That yeah, that's a good that's a good theme of it. So um so back to sage advice, which is good. And um some of these, I mean, most of these are not contentious. The the one that I thought was good um was let me see. They talk about sticks to snakes later, and they had the kind of snakes because when you cat, well, I had a player in my last campaign cast sticks to snakes, and I didn't know what snakes they were to give them. So it was nice that they documented that here. That was very nice additional information. I liked the fact that it clarified, and maybe it didn't need clarification, but paladins protection from evil when you're outdoors, you get the yards. Yep, it extends out to yards, which was nice. And that was interesting too. They had to like clean up, do a little bit of cleanup. That a prior sage advice had said that. Thieves can't be good, and they had to clean that up yep. because, of course, they can be neutral good, and I don't know who said that. Um, and um, also nice oh, – oh, the color spray. I like this. Don't cast the color spray when you're around friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, right. and a lot of players – don't like that about Matt, you know, they, uh, and I've seen this where, you know, they're constantly most magic in first edition. If it's, if you're in the area of effect, mo a lot of times the magic user can't pick it, whether it's haste or slow and they, uh, and uh, fireball, obviously, you know, the players want to be able to pick their targets, have it disabled when they want. It's not, that's not how it works. If someone's held, they're held for the whole time. Um, you know, there's not this idea they can turn the magic off. The magic is loosed, and that's always a, a tension because I think later editions allow the magic user to basically stop thinking about it, and the magic goes away. And really, unless it says they have to concentrate to continue it, like Phantasmal Force, it's on. You, know, you don't get to turn it off. There's not really a mechanism to do that. Yeah, that's, uh, so I thought that was very interesting, and... I think there were some other interesting ones in there, too. I just lost some of that, so now I can't see it. But, um, All right, let me go back to it. 
it was nice to see Gene Wells is back. Yeah. Uh, so I got to tell you, I don't know. We'll see as we continue if we do this in 1981. But um, I didn't see her wit that I love so much. And so I don't know. This was very matter of fact, all these right? answers for the most part. Is she, they were. So is, is, is this changing? Is, is, is she being a little restrained here? So I don't know. But um, a lot of it was, as you say, just very matter um, of fact. So, um, yeah, and you can't, you can't, uh, you know, if, if, if you're just temporarily raise a stat, you don't get to now be another class that is that you otherwise couldn't be so i thought that was was mildly interesting um tell you how to determine hit dice for monsters or creatures that are just have hit right. points so if, or, if mesmodius would have came he would have been a 44 hit dice monster right right exactly and i then you know confirms that if you're entangled you can't cast any spells Right, because you need absolute concentration, no other. And again, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat a dead horse with it. I don't understand how you cast a spell in melee, even if you're not hit. How are you concentrating? That's amazing. But whatever, it's game balance. I get it. Let's not make magic users so wimpy. So, uh, yeah, that was that was that was a pretty good save device. Happy to see Gene Wells back. Okay, this was yes, this is great. Oh, oh yeah, great and oh, terrible. How do you rate as a DM? Oh my God. Did you go do that? That list is horror. So this is what to give out to your players. It's like a teaching evaluation at the end of the semester. You give this out to your players, and they get to rate you. And this thing goes on forever. Right. This is a questionnaire. Yes. A dungeon master evaluation form, and it, it is pages and pages long. And it is just brutal. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean, can't you just tell me, like, generally as we're packing up how I'm doing? This is, I mean, I guess it needs to be anonymous so no one knows. You know, here, we'll hand these out at the end we, of the last... We should set up like a survey end. monkey kind of thing. Right. So no one knows who's doing it, and it's just yeah, it's just rough. But you know what's interesting about it is it does show you the kind of things that you want to think about or not think about as a DM. So I guess it's probably worth reading this thing um, as a DM to get a sense of, okay, am I doing it balanced? And again, though, players, you want to match with players that match with you, right? So some players, they want things to be more of a cakewalk. Some don't. So yeah. It, I don't know. What, no, I totally, I think it's it, fascinating because, again, we've talked about how in the DMG you're supposed to do performance evaluations of players. <laughs> so now this is right. this is the 360. It's, it's the, what, 360 evaluation. Now you get... Okay, I've done your all's evaluation, and now it's our it's our every four session DM evaluation. Please hand these out. Please mark them appropriately, um, and then I'll comp- and then when we get back together, we'll talk about how well I did. So, you know, some of the yeah. things are uh, the frequency which I play. I think an average of blah blah per campaign should die resurrectedly, non-resurrectedly, in order to keep the game exciting. Uh, it's way too easy. To, you know, so basically you check all that you apply. Right. So, um, you know, basically, is it too hard? There's not enough treasure. There's too much treasure. You want more magic items. Uh, which is the best levels? So, some of it's about the DM, and others about the player's preference about the campaign. So, I thought it was pretty funny. It was funny. I mean, I guess you know the day you know you fill this thing out, and you're brutally honest. The DM is hurt, has hurt feelings, and comes in, and then of course it's like 
pew. It's a it's a TPK because you pissed off your DM. So you gotta be you gotta have a thin skin. You're gonna hand this out. You better have a thin skin. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean so. some of it's tongue in cheek, but it was interesting that. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're this character class, it's a nightmare. If you're this character class, you're too easy. Uh, right. On the pacing could be improved. I mean, literally it goes over. Um, I think we need we need to have we need to send this to the players in Vic's campaign. Don't you think? Right. North. I think we should. And ask them to fill it out, and we'll collect the results, and we can report them on 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 a show, and have Vic on there as we open them, and and go over them with him. That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, your mean score on this is two point five. You know, right? You're trending right. better over here. Um, right, right. And, you, you, yeah, and, and it just shows that the problems that they had forty years ago are the same that we have today. Players, some players like it easier. Players like it harder. DMs are this way. Yeah, it's uh, you know, yep. it's and it's again, it's a there is no. I don't say there's no wrong or right. If if the players and the DM, which is a player, I mean, the DM's just, he's a player as well, or she is a player. If they enjoy the style, then it's great. It's when there's a misalignment. And, um, you know, that's why the session zero has become very popular to kind of get to know each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of figure out our likes and dislikes. Yeah, but exactly. it, I mean, it keeps going. Um, it's like yeah, six pages. Ridiculous. 43. Yeah, already two questions. 40, with many subsections. With many subsections. Okay, <laughs> so the next one is Action in the Melee Round um, by Len LaKafka, again, who just recently parted from us. He passed uh, last month, if I remember correctly. Um, so again, Melee in first edition is problematic. You know, there's 10 segments in a round. There's, I know Attic did a good job of trying to break it out makes sense but there's still some edge cases and so this is his version of identifying rules that could hopefully make it cohesive and i don't know if he does a better job of it but it does give you some ideas to kind of take in and, and address as well it's a classic lakafka piece it seems to me right? right that it's he's trying to improve things and if if, if he could have written the uh Initiative rules, this would be it. So um, a sort of a yeah, classic uh, Lakafka. It sounds like a piece of artwork. This is a classic It's a classic Lakafka. It's during his <laughs> formative phases. You know, once he left the <laughs> Art Institute, uh, that's right. Right. <laughs> In Bonn, as he was going back to uh, Brussels. Uh, so right. Right. Uh, the next is Monsters, the uh, which we have terrible monsters. This is called the Monster Bestiary, which is pretty bad. So... Um, the Amazon. I guess we needed an Amazon, Roger. Yeah, I don't. I oh, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Roger Moore. Boy, usually if Roger Moore touched his goal for me. I wasn't feeling the Amazon. I wasn't feeling the Toll War, which are what these trunkless elephants. Yeah. You know, I, and then I think we had one. Right, we had one by uh, Ed Greenwood. I, you know, I gotta tell you, I I like the white the white dwarf monsters the, the fiend factory stuff it seems to me that it's either like they're so weird so weird i either think they're really awesome or they're just horrific and so i end up liking more of them because you got those that are like kind of odd. so many of these and i don't know maybe it'll change i don't know your thoughts but they just seem to me to be not they're like okay they're, I, I don't know they just kind of fall flat with me like right. Do I need these? I don't know. What, what's, what's your thoughts? 
I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big fan of all these monsters. It seems like people make monsters just to have them. However, if that's what you want to do, great. Did we need another strange, cyanic, dancing, mid-air, corkscrew creature? Uh, why? And 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 and, and I and I get it because I mean it's 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 interesting and if if I was playing in the, in in the campaign, and 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 it appeared and I didn't know what it was, that's great because that's what you do, right? You don't know, but I don't know. I can kind of make those up myself. Those kind of strange things, you know. I, and I and I don't know. Maybe that I think there are a certain percentage of people out there that enjoy making up their own monsters, but I guess there are people out there that you know they that it's not their thing, and so maybe they appreciate this because it gives them new monsters. Uh, to do, and I guess you know, I guess maybe we should, we should look at things in context. So if it's 1980 and all you've got is the Monster Manual, right? Fiend Foley's not even coming out, and so your players already know all these monsters, and you're kind of bored with it. You know, maybe this is just a nice, easy, off-the-shelf monsters that you can use to throw in your game that your players, you know, they're, they, they're excited. It's a new monster they've never seen, and like, ah, and then you pull it out. Yeah, it's from Dragon Magazine, so. You know, I don't know. Maybe we're using the, you know, we're being a little rough on it. Maybe we need to remember where people were at in 1980 with the game. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't remember any of them. I don't know. And also because the modules had additional monsters in it. And so that's where I would get them from, which yeah. then became the Monster Manual, too. So it was, or the, or Fiend Folio. So I always. Fungus Man. Fungus Man. That's right. The Fungus Man. And, and even them, some of them are like, really? I'm not a big. I, you know, Mykonoid fan, or they just felt not as they felt it was more biological than what? magical. Well, and so many of them also were adventure specific, right? I mean, right. you know, people hate the Carbuncle, but you know, the Carbuncle comes from a white dwarf venture from Howie Fjord, and it makes sense in that adventure. It's like, yeah, I can totally see that. I don't see a Carbuncle go walking down the street, you know, or just sitting in a dungeon. So, yeah. right. so you know, if they can use it, that's great. All right, so Illusionist. This is your, I know you like this article. It's a top five for me. Yeah, it's a top five for me because, you know, the way you mentioned about the snakes thing that you liked, um, the, the, with the snake thing, you liked that it, it gave you, it, it filled a gap. This fills a gap. Because we don't have rules. So what I really the, the articles I like are oftentimes not articles that add, but articles that fill gaps. So we have a rule about disbelief. If you if you disbelieve, you get to roll for save, correct? And so that's a rule. So this is filling a gap in, in how to determine if other creatures will disbelieve. And I just I think I think it's a wonderful article. To me, this is a total keeper. If you are dealing, if you've got an illusionist in the party and you're the DM, I think you should use this to help figure out what the chance is a party is going, uh, the monster is going to disbelieve the illusion. I love it because it's based upon likelihood that it's how unusual it is and also what is what your intelligence and wisdom and you roll to see if they disbelieve to get the save. So, yeah, I just, I thought it was great article love it i mean no we talked about this we're not talking about it a lot we talked about this article and we talked about illusionists but it's uh yeah it's a top five for me at this point well and the problem is the reason this is even necessary is because of how what's stated in first edition that you don't even get a saving throw unless you actively disbelieve right so for those listening to the podcast 
Um, the way illusions work, and it starts with phantasmal force, is um, that, uh, yeah, I had to, poor, poor Vic was supposed to come on. He's like, you want to do this next time? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, it says in the description for phantasmal force that, uh, that if um, the only time you get a saving throw is if the person actively disbelieves. Well, how would you do that? You have a, you have a phantasmal force of a pit. When is the ogre going to have a chance to actively disbelieve? And it says you have to take time to do that. So then it skews the spell, this first level illusionist spell, to being ultra powerful. You're killing dragons, you're killing all kinds of things. But if you nerf it down to um, magic user, I'm back to just a saving throw, or the DM saying, well, they always get a saving throw, then it becomes pretty limited. Um, and it also says once one person disbelieves, they provide bonuses to the other people. So that one orc sees the fake pit, it tells the rest of them, and then basically goes, it all disbelieves. So the short version of that is what I did was, you know, but this is the other part, and they mentioned in the article, is that that's why I was never a fan of illusions, because I didn't want the DM, back to that other comment that you play rules as written, I didn't want the DM to either adjudicate one way or another. I want a fireball works no matter what. You throw the fireball, it's D6 times level. Phantasmal Force, meh. Well, tell me what you're doing. No, nah, I don't think that works. They get a saving throw, and now we're screwed. So this article tries to help with that. Um, yeah, so Vic says happy Thanksgiving because our next show is the 5th, which I told him we'd love to have him on. So happy Thanksgiving, Vic. Good to see you, my friend. Hopefully we'll talk sooner than that. Um, so I do, what I've done is basically, I kind of split the difference. The problem with this article, I don't want to say it's a problem. It's just more rolling and more figuring out stuff to figure out whether they get a saving throw, which can slow the game down. Yeah, I understand. But I, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's more rolling. It's more flipping. But I think if you use it, if you got an illusion, you're using it a lot, you probably become a little more proficient as a DM. It's a little slow. Where's that? But, you know, you can cut out a little chart and make it. And so, um, yeah, yeah I, what I say to people is give it a try. You like it. Great. You don't don't like it. But I think it does. It attempts to, again, fill a gap in the rules, which, which I like. So, yeah, I thought it was a great article. Yeah. And, and to I the way I base my rulings on of this. Remember, first, Phantasmal Force is a first level illusionist spell. It's on the same power as light and some of these other ones. If it's taking out dragons or ogres, it's probably not being used right. Conversely, um, you know, so I, I tend to if you make things that are simple, like if you had an opening and you made it look like a wall, yeah, that probably will work. If you're making you know a green dragon to come down and you know, spread acid on the orcs, probably less likely happen because how many dragons have you seen as a first level illusionist, that kind of thing, and that you've studied them. So um, the, again, but that's why illusionists are in some ways the best class and the worst class when it comes to D&D, how comfortable you are in a, you know, negotiating with the DM. Indeed. And can you go back, uh, read uh, the top, no, the, the, day of the, the day of the dragon yeah. calendar? That's what I've said. Yes, it's funny. Right, wasn't that great? Yeah, wasn't 1980 fun? Iran and Afghanistan, elections and scandals, drought and disaster. Now have a year to look forward to in 1981 with the day of the drying calendar. So yeah, that's how we feel. You can basically <laughs> right. replace 1980 with 2020, and there you go. 
Exactly. So um, I wish so wish we could get our hands on a, a 1980 the Dragon calendar. But we'll see. I'll, I'll look on eBay. I'll see what I can see. Dragon. So uh, Ragnar is saying there was an issue. Hold that. Hold on to your illusions article. He thought that was excellent. That was Dragon 130. So it's 50s for you. So yeah, 1984. It's right at the edge of uh, our time. So we'll have to go check that out. Thank you, sir. Then there was a Traveler adventure. Again, I love Traveler. I didn't read it, but if I, I would definitely check it out if I was running Traveler. Um, it's a great game, but it's, it's, it's almost the anti-D&D. Uh, just, you know, you could die when you're making your character, which to me was awesome. Um, and death was really around the corner. So, uh, so it's a but, higher mortality rate, actually, than, uh, than first edition. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, yeah, because yeah, first edition wasn't deadly rate. enough. For people, it wasn't deadly enough. Okay. Yeah, it's too easy. Mm-hmm. It's on baby mode. Right. But it's a really long one. So, again, definitely, if you're looking for that, that would be super cool. Uh, I don't... This was... What was this about? The Azhanti High Lightning. I didn't even know what that was about. Oh, that's a, that's a cruiser that's in the tra- Traveler. So there's a couple of Traveler things. Dragon Quest review, always interesting. Squad Leader. You Did you play Squad Leader? I played some Squad Leader, yes. Yep, played some Squad Leader. All right, Soapbox. So this was, I found this fascinating. This is the reply to someone's reply of the original article. So, so Larry DeTillo is replying to Dragon 39, where Doug replied to his thing from Dragon 36. Yeah, and this is all about this morality issue in D&D, and should you be right. using D&D to teach morals, if I recall correctly, right? So kind of similar to some of the, I guess maybe some of the conversations we're having now. So does this show that things haven't changed much in, in 40 years, same conversations? Yeah, and he's getting bent out of shape, and the other guy's getting bent out of shape. It's like, so they print it. That's awesome. That, that's and that, that I thought was good. Um, I, I like to I, keep my morality out of D and D. That's just sort of right. the, so. For the same reason, I think we choose generally not to talk about politics on this show. I same reason why I don't really care a lot about talking too much injecting too much morality in D and mean it to me it's escapism and you know if you wanna you wanna act lawful evil fine. I mean if your character's not lawful evil you I'm gonna have issues with that. But that's not because I have issues with lawful evil. I have issues with not acting according to your alignments. So right. you know so but, I, I'm I, not trying to teach any life lessons when I DM to be sure. Right. Well I think what the DM should do and this is why I'm such a fan, why I really stress that alignment doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me unless it's part of a deity. You know, so you should talk to your players, set up the pantheon, whatever pantheon you want, and those deities should be dictating what lawful evil means in your world. What because lawful evil, again, we go, you know, we, we, people use Darth Vader or whatever as, as archetypes for it, you know, the Nazis or the mob. You're always going to find wiggle room. You're going to get this, you know, objective relative thing, you know, like we were saying with the pilgrims and the Indians, right? You, what is true, uh, you know, morality of objective versus contextualized, you know, clearly. If you're from the Native American perspective, what happened the last few hundred years, not the best outcome from them. 
maybe from a humanity perspective, well, we're on the moon because of the Americans there, as, as an example. Maybe that would happen elsewhere. But you, get, you go down these rabbit holes, which, again, we're here to play a game. We're not here to figure out to solve. And, and, and then also, if you let that, then you start getting these things that these fantasy creatures and are representing something in the real world, which is very dangerous. Then you get the, well, orcs are these people in the world, and goblins are these people, and you know, gnomes are these people. And so if anything bad happens to them, you're you know, almost acting racist to things. Why? I don't want to do that. I just want to play a game. Yeah. And in my world, orcs are bad. If you want your orcs are good, great. Then let me, just let me know that. Does not have... Morally they're, ambiguous orcs. Well, they're bad because the, the monster manual tells us they're evil. Right, because that's in this game. If the DM decides that orcs are a thing, great, but there better be a reason for it. And to me, that has to be based on the deities. And you know whether that's truly evil or because Grumsh got you know his people got screwed by the other deities, and that's why they're evil. Okay, fine. Six one way half a dozen. They're still enemies. They're going to be defeated. Now, if you want more of a morally complex game, great, but you better have a basis for it or else you're just going to have these circular arguments that, like the paladin, you know, should they should they be chased or not? I don't know. I don't really care. But if the deity of the paladin says they must be chased, then they're chased. That's that's my take on it. No, I think, I, I, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, so I don't, I don't get very interested in these pieces about debates back and forth about because i'm just it's not that it's not important i'm just not very interested in the discussion right so. and your players are going to dictate it you know if they want to play morally complex they want to play the paladin who's struggling with keeping their you know things when these terrible atrocities great but a lot of players don't want to do it they want the bonuses they don't want all the suffering <laughs> you know they want the plus two to saving throws they want this but you got to be true to your alignment. Come right. on. That's your paladin. Right. <laughs> so. But they want a certain amount of it. They don't want it to be a constant, you know, like it's in the in the player's handbook. And again, the book kind of says they better be any discretion should be that. So anyway, that's my soapbox on it. It just seems like a lot. So then Roger Moore has you'll love this. You hate um, you hate orcs. You'll love this campaign. I like I love this article. So, you know, my view of pretty much anything Roger Moore uh, touches to, uh, turns to dwarven gold. I think I like this article quite a bit. It you know talks about playing at least as a one-off, playing a a having a party that consists of of members of all the same race. And right. as you know, I like this because I, I ran the tournament adventure that I wrote for for Grycon was Gnome Skull, which was all gnomes, and he talks about a party of all dwarves exactly. and. And giving it a try. And I think it's a great idea. I think those things are a lot of fun. It shows you that dwarves, you know, they can be different. Not every dwarf, not every gnome is going to be exactly the same. Not every elf is going to be the same. And I like how he also talks about how you can then have uh, people of different alignments uh, adventuring together. So if you want to, you know, you can have the lawful evil assass, dwarf assassin in a party you know, because he can work as a spy or do something like that. So, you know, you can, you, the cohesion can be that you're all of the same race. Maybe you're even all related. You know, you don't have to then all be the same alignment and it doesn't get all that weird because your cohesion is we're all dwarves, we're all hating the orcs. And that's, doesn't matter. Even if I'm a lawful evil dwarf, I probably hate, you know, certain leaders, you could say, I hate orcs because I'm a dwarf. 
Just because right. I'm lawful evil doesn't mean I like orcs, right? Because we know lawful evil will fight lawful evil. So um, I, I just thought that was a really good point, Roger. I don't think you see it enough. I mean, you know, when's the last time, other than, you know, say the one-off tournament, when's the last time you saw a game where everybody was, you know, a, the same the same race? I saw it at GaryCon. I went to one with all dwarfs, and I appreciate that. But you don't, you just don't see it that often. Yeah, and I think... Again, that the whole thing of the evil and lawful, because what, what what Gary clearly was trying to do is to show, hey, you shouldn't just pick your skills based on or your characters based on the skills, and it would be not doesn't make any sense that a paladin's going to hang out with seven assassins and they're going to start, you know, that's not compatible. You have to give it a reason why it would be compatible. Here's your reason. They're part of the same clan, and and you know the assassins, the black sheep of it, or whatever you want to call it, whatever story you come up with, or they're you know they're a bunch of uh, you know half orc assassins, and one of them's the lawful good uh, cleric from another thing because he was raised by the paladin who saved. Whatever the case may be, you come up with this kind of story, oh. and it lets that happen. Ah, oh, limpy, limpy. That's right. <laughs> Oh, God bless Limpy. Okay. Limpy's in wherever he is. He's in that, that whatever his head is. neutral. I forgot where they uh, go. Right. Uh, Nirvana, excuse me. Nirvana, good for Limpy. Um, yeah, so I like this article. So nice for my. I, li- I like this article because I agree with it. That's right. <laughs> I was at a professor who said, you should read books that you, don't, you think you're not going to agree with. And I thought that was a good, that was good advice. I like this article because I agreed with it. Yeah. So. so um, then we're back to out on the limb. We have the anti-anti-paladin. Oh, okay. can I mention that? Because, yeah, the guy writes to complain that the paladin is cowardly. Is that the one? Right. Yeah, listen, I don't like the fact that the anti-paladin is cowardly. That was the one part of the anti-paladin that I didn't like. I get it. He's the antithesis of the paladin. So paladins are brave, so the anti-paladin is a coward. I get it. Um, so I, I you know, writes a letter complaining about that, and he gets chastised about, look, they're optional. Why are you writing complaining about something that's optional? The whole character class as an MP is optional. It's, it's not canon. So why are you complaining about something that's optional? If you don't have to use it, you can change it. Don't make them cowardly. Do whatever you want. You know, so I get the response, but I also kind of like the letter. Because, <laughs> again, I, I guess you like what you agree with. Right. I, I agree. That. I, I think it really sort of – if I was going to create an anti-pal and an NPC – I, you know, is is your big bad cowardly? I mean, I guess you can work with it. That can be interesting. And I don't know. I'm with the letter writer. What are your thoughts? Anti-paladin, cowardly, or shouldn't be cowardly? Well, cowardly has this idea of the brave Sir Robin kind of thing from, you know, uh, the Holy Grail, where he ran, he fled. No, I didn't. You know, he, the, you know the idea, of if it's truly the Bizarros, like Superman versus Bizarro, everything's exactly opposite then yes, they would be cowardly. But what does cowardly mean? To me, mm-hmm. cowardly is Spaceballs, Lord Helmet versus uh, Star, whatever his name is, Star, uh, Lone Star. Uh, let, let's shake hands. And he grabs the, you know, he, he, he's cunning. He grabs his weapon. He says, you're stupid because good is dumb. You know, it's cowardly to me is being conniving. He's going to cheat and do everything he can to win. And if he's going to fight, he'll fight, but he's going to prefer not to fight. He's going to, and that's what the article kind of says, too, if I remember the anti-paladin. It's not like they 
can't fight, but they're going to do other things before fighting. The, to them, ultimately, winning is the more important thing. So if I can assassinate you with a crossbow bolt before we fight, okay, I don't care. Doesn't fair fight has no there's nothing in my lexicon. I think that makes sense. I mean, you're a good salesman. I I, agree. I think that all makes sense. And so I guess you just and he is the anti paladin and the paladins are brave. And um, that all makes sense. So he's, again, he's yeah. selfish too. To me, cowardly yeah. is part of the selfish yeah. thing. Yeah. It's the concept of the way we portray people who are cowards is they're not doing their duty. What courage is being brave even though you're afraid is still doing something. The idea of coward is I'm afraid, and if I have another way out of it, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to just into the breach and, and kill myself. So they have no honor is the idea. So I don't, right. I think the connotation of brave is as soon as they get into fight, he's going to immediately run. Well, no, he's not going to do that, but he's going to look for ways to take every advantage. Makes total sense to me. Um, you, the, you, very convincing. Um, but, but there was that portrayal in the article that he's this, you know, he's a super fighter, but yet he's never going to fight. That doesn't make any sense. I, I, you know, it was kind of portrayed that way. Right. And so the good news is, as the response, as Kim Mohan says, do whatever you want. Yeah, we don't uh, care. Right? Do whatever you want. I like, so the misconception that was interesting, the guy says, can we have like a, basically a quick start guide to AD&D? Right. You know, I really liked that idea, and it got shot down. He's basically like, well, we have basic D&D or whatever, and I, you basically got shot kind of down, and we're going to be revising the basic set. Um, I kind of liked that idea. I think a quick start guide for AD&D would be an awesome idea, especially for people who are are getting back into it with the OSR movement. Um, but the real, the great one was, uh, oh wait, what was, oh, I'm sorry, no, not on the DM's shoulder. I'm sorry, I'm thinking ahead. I know there's a letter here where a guy complains. There you go. Gary, That's right. right. There it is. Yep. He he says Gary talks all high and mighty and <laughs> and that um, right that that the rules are supposed yeah was it oh yeah was it e, yeah that it E G and G revisited right. E G G's opinion and out on a limb prompted me to write this letter in response many times in past issues of this fine magazine guy has preached to us um, ignorant players about this or that now granted much of what he says he says holds water. But it's not necessarily the content of what he states, but the manner in which he states it. I love how he published this, it, it, which ticks me off. Specific, specifically, the I am Lord of all everything I say, it's God's holy word syndrome. If I understand the game correctly, the opportunity is to have fun and creativity is the whole idea behind it in the preface of the player's handbook gygax says even the most important material herein can be altered and bent to suit the needs of individual campaigns but this does not seem to be the attitude of the other gary gygax who says angels will never be a part of dnd ad as long as i have anything to that treads too close and then of course he questions challenges in that on too close and what's great about it is that gygax replies right they print this they show right. how don't you love it so does does kim mohan or jake jacquette bring this letter down to gary and they must know gary pretty well and understand that he is not they can show this to gary right and it's, and it's not they're actually gonna be entertained showing this to gary is the sense i get and so we get gary's wonderful well i'm sure they get a lot of them similar to this is <laughs> 
people, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, again, to a much lesser extent, most of the people that in, we engage with are great, but you get people who kind of go, who are you to say these things? And we go, we're nobody. Gary wrote the game with, with Dave Arneson. I mean, the game we play. So it's a little different when someone screams out, hey, you said this, you're, you know, you're, you're Peter Clay, and how dare you do that? I'm sure a lot of people do that, and I'm sure, I, I think they pick these as kind of representative of the kind of articles they get. So, I, I, you know, there could have been much worse ones, and they gave that one to Gary. I, I, but I, to your point, I think is, yeah, I'm sure Gary gets this a lot of, got it a lot of times, and he's like, yeah, I'll answer it. He clearly was active at this time because he's constantly writing articles. Yeah, and I think honestly, I think this is arguably one of the most interesting things Gary has ever written in this. So he responds, and just the first paragraph. I'm not the angels debate. I don't care so much about the angels debate because uh, that's just that's just opinion. But his first paragraph, Eric. You seem to have D and D confused with A D and D, and I love how he's he's. In, let's face it, Gary is taking the same uh, the tone of uh, tone that the kid. Oh no, I say kid. The guy Eric Robinson is unhappy with, right? He he actually assumes that tone in reply. Eric, you seem to have D and D confused with A D and D. The former promotes alteration and free willing. Is that the grog line? Well, I didn't know if that was you, right? And no, that's not the drug line. Is it you like, Dan, shut up. My, yeah. my wife wants me to do something, right? The former promotes alteration and free-willing adaptation. The latter absolutely decries it for the obvious reason that advanced D&D is a structured and complete game system aimed at uniformity of play worldwide. And here's the line. It's a famous one, right? Either you play AD&D or you play something else, exclamation point. This, this letter from Gary is, of course, is what has caused all this controversy between the crowd who set points to the player's handbook and these comments that they're all guidelines. Uh, and the DMG, it says it there too. You know. Right. So you got that in 77, 78, 70, uh, 79, saying all those things. And now in 1980... Gary is saying AD&D, what absolutely decries alteration and free-willing adaptation, you either play A&D, AD&D, or you play something else. And this creates the confusion. Now, look, I think it's an irrelevant debate because you do whatever you want to do. It's your game. You want to play by the book, play by the book. You don't want to play by the book. You don't even have to. It's kind of like you don't even need the anti-paladin. If you don't even need the anti-paladin, you can change it. If you don't have to play AD&D, you can play 3rd edition, you can play 5th edition, you can play whatever. At this point in time, you can play RuneQuest, whatever. If you don't even have to play it, you can obviously change it any way you want. There is no right or wrong. But what's so interesting about this is, right, so we know that the crowd who wants to play it by the book and wag the finger at people who, who, who break the rules, so to speak, they point to this. And so what I'm more interested in is not what's right, because there is no right. Is this a different Gary? Were there two Garys? Did Gary change? I mean, what is this? What's going on here? Right. And, mean, and, and I think he changed, you know, the, over the years he's gone back and forth. You can read these things and go, well, wait a minute, what happened to, and, and what's going on in 1980 
at this point where he felt like he had to say it's AD&D or the highway. Don't, you're going to play it as written or not. Which is interesting, and, and, and as I'd like to know what's happening in 19, and I think we've had people have talked about, you know, part of it was to, you know, for conventions and tournaments was is one theory, you know, and I know and I recently somebody else had promoted, argued something else, I can't remember uh, where I heard that, uh, but what's what's interesting about it is we know Gary was not following was not playing AD&D by the book of course right i mean his death rules were different his death rules were based upon con how many hit points you could have and so he wasn't playing by the book everything i mean i'm sure you can ask the jim wars the frank mensers of the world the the ernie gygaxes of the world and they'll tell you the ones he did and so it's i don't know it's just sort of interesting i mean i think it's irrelevant but interesting you know, that- well, I, yeah, and I agree. And I think part of it is a biz- Gary the businessman versus Gary the hobbyist is, is part of it. I don't see the big deal to this. It's the same thing. It's, it's, but you're reading a magazine that's promoted by TSR that has optional rules in it. That's right. We just, we just had a discussion of the anti-pow. Kim Mohan just said you don't like the anti-pow and change it, right? Right. So, and there's no, and, and then it's, there's a sage advice back when, where somebody said, is there an anti-pound and is there an anti-ranger? And I believe it may have been, um, it may have been, um, who's the person, uh, who's the uh, the woman that we like, that I like anyway? Gene Wells. Gene Wells. It may have been Gene Wells. I think that she says, goes and asks Gary, and Gary says no. I could be wrong on that. But the response was, there is none. Came back the response. But then we see an anti-pound. And so your point is well taken. In the same, same magazine here, we're seeing Kim Mohan says, Change the to make the antipound anything you want it to be. Right. So the other take, which I like from Bucky, is this is pure sarcasm. You can almost see him raising himself out of the chair, or like like um, uh, Charlton Heston with the Ten Commandments. You will either live by the Ten Commandments, or you will die by the Ten Commandments. Oh, I see. You think so? Oh, so yeah, we're getting that on the chat there. That this could be. This is just. This is typical. This is just. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you know, just kind of just. First, who are you, Mister Mister Robinson, to challenge me? And yeah, and it's and it's so over the top when it's contrary to the thing. To me, again, it's if you're going to try to square the circle, he's got business things. He wants people to play it because he doesn't want other things to happen. But yet, he's selling a magazine that promotes optional things for DMs to put in. Yeah. So clearly, the rule is you can do whatever you want at your table. But if you take that to a tournament, it may not be AD&D. Very interesting. All right. And, and, and be careful what, how you far you go. And it's not our job to bless and justify the changes you make because, you know, basically justifying you want anti-paladins. That's the way I look at it. These are all optional. This is my game. You want to do it, it's great, but don't ask me to justify your changes. So if I have an anti-paladin, published in Dragon, Angels, published in Dragon, Witch, published in Dragon, am I not playing AD&D? And again, pl- who cares? I mean, this is a tires- tiresome debate. It's irrelevant. I just find it more entertaining. Um, am I playing AD&D? You're playing Dungeons & Dragons. I'm playing D&D. 
with some, and, and it may be a D&D first edition, maybe. Maybe, because I'm, I'm playing, it's not as binary. I'm either right. playing AD&D or I'm playing something else. So again, well, you're, pl- you're playing AD&D house rules. You're playing AD&D, uh, but you've modified it. So it's not, it's like I buy a ga- if I buy a game like Skyrim or any of these games, I play it out of the box. As soon as I put mods on it, you don't get the achievement for w- defeating the game pure because you've put in these mods onto the game. Also, Monopoly, people put right, free parking. They put the money in the center. Right. That's not by the way. Well, and I, I just think, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of just... So I, you're playing Monopoly, but it's not the same game. You can't take that to the tournament, then. Well, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of now messing with his letter, because he says it's either... He made it sound quite binary. You're making it sound like it's a continuum. But that's, you know, again, who cares? Well, he said either. It's definitely a binary. The question is, what does something else mean? Does oh, it mean, I see what you're saying. Right. It's not yeah. AD and okay, I got gotcha. you. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Is, is it AD and D or don't you know sell your books and go f- play something else? So Yeah, I mean I just think it's yeah, I mean I just think it's it's I, I think again it's fascinating because I wonder what's going on in Gary's mind. And and maybe it is just all tongue in cheek. I mean it is he is taking the position that the guy's accusing him of that he doesn't like. So yeah, to me it's just more interesting about Gary Gygax and where he's at in nineteen eighty. So and, and now we still have more of the witch thing. I mean, this is more, uh, they have different spells, casting times, different spell descriptions. Time. I mean, you know, uh, Rob did the link boy for flipping and turning. I mean, is it, it wasn't this long. Yeah. I'm, I'm now going to have to re- revisit the link boy. I mean, it needs to be like at least like five pages of stuff, doesn't it? Speak in tongues, speak with plants. There's a, right. a minor quest that you can make humanoid opponents do. It's just, I have to like spend a week just getting ready to play this character. What's this spell? Mystic rope. Look how long the mystic rope is. It's like a one wow. giant paragraph. See, cause there's three people. They probably kept adding the guy <laughs> sends it in. And then the other mold gets in Mohan all get involved. So still, maybe we're, just st- we're still crap. going by the way. Insect plague. I love that. <laughs> Uh, right, it's just vision, going. A lot of those spells are pretty awesome. I got to tell you, man. Yeah, right, there is more on this NPC yeah. than summon devil. Do you see summon devil? Yeah, that's good. There's a lot. There's probably this is probably the best part of the wish is probably like using some of these spells. We should probably domesticate some of these spells, right? And if you have a deity, oh, that's what we should do, James. This is perfect. So, like for certain clerics that worship certain deities, we can look through there and see, right? Rust monster touch. We we'll see if any of these deities. Um, you know, the spells would work for those, right? This could be right. like, this is like, a, it's like a, a whole new, this is like a new tome of mighty magic. Yeah. And it's got higher secret order spells. It's crazy. Temporary resurrection. You mean I'm like just back for a little bit? <laughs> These are great. Two days per experience. Well, this is will great. cause the affected character or creature to be brought back to life full of powers. The spell- This is probably the best part of it, right? It's the new spells. Yeah. It's just amazing how much time they put into this. So. Oh, I want this T-shirt, Dan. Yep. I, yeah, we need to order that. I'd rather be in a dungeon. Yeah, that should be your bumper sticker and, on your uh, car. You should put that on your wife's car. <laughs> I'd rather be in a dungeon. See if they're sticker. still doing that in Utah. We should call them. I'd rather be in a dungeon. That's awesome. I would say no, 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 no. You know when that Utah? You know when those T-shirts came to an end? Very soon. Satanic panic's coming, my friend. Yeah. Well, I think it's think? sort of. It's coming. I'm sure it's part of it's already started. So. 
they didn't put that on the 1980 list. They should have put Satanic Panic right. on the calendar. Uh, panic in the satan- Satanic Occult. That's right. I wish we could have a calendar. That'd be pretty hard to do. That'd probably be expensive to do, right? We'd have to. would have to do the artwork. We'd have, to have art. Yeah. There's a few problems yeah. with that. Maybe next year. If mm-hmm. assuming we survive, then maybe next year. And I'd like, can I just do one mention too, because we haven't mentioned it um, about, and you had the website, I don't know if you still have it, but it was uh, for the, uh, what was it, the um, the Centarchy? Centarchy, yes. What, what did I do with that? Centarchy, I found it on a website. It is a, a large bird. It's a centaur where the bottom is not a horse. It's a large bird. Yeah, I'm assuming a turkey <laughs> and uh the top is either a halfling or a gnome and of course they had me at gnome so i like this idea of a centarchy i could see a centarchy t-shirt that maybe i could have commissioned some artwork get it on a t-shirt and that would be my t-shirt for next thanksgiving don't you think it's waddle <laughs> you gotta oh good it's glad something else didn't come up there or something you know inappropriate centarchy how do you spell that Oh, you're never gonna find it on that website it's centarchy i have no where, idea where did how you to- find it from anyway well, I'm going to have to go to, hang on, I'm going to have to go to, it was on my Twitter feed. Oh, your Twitter feed. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's where you got it. Okay, cool. Hold on. Yeah, it was on my Twitter feed, right? I posted where I got it from. I like to give credit to the Tribal, inventor. I'm not tri- tri- tribality with this, yeah. Tribality, tribality.com. Yeah. So shout out to them. Uh, they had done some uh, Thanksgiving monsters, and uh, one of them that really uh, stuck with me was the uh, Centarchy. It's, well, the, way, it the way you spelt it was center keys. Is that the same thing? Oh, maybe I'm spelling it. I don't know. Centurkey? Centurkey. Yeah, cent- uh, so it says centarkey, like centaur with keys at the back. So Centarkey. Centarkey with a gnome. Yeah, wouldn't that be a good picture? Yeah, wouldn't that be a great creature? A gnome on a turkey. Yeah, goblin, goblinins, centarkeys. Yeah, one shot. So there you go. Yep, centarkey. So, all right. I have to, that would be great. It's, it doesn't have a... Doesn't have a yeah, it's the torso and upper body of a normal halfling, lower body of a large, powerful bird. So here's the kind of bad image of it. Should I share it? Dare I? Dare? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Was that actually an image of the dead? It didn't look like a gnome or a halfling to me. Well, but I like the idea of a centarchy. It needs to be fleshed out a bit. Um, but I like the idea of a centarchy. So maybe I could revive the centarchy for next Thanksgiving issue. Well, you know, the holiday issue probably is Thanksgiving, there, too. That's, Centarchy. Yeah. It's kind of, well, it's got a person and then the turkey in the bottom. So there you go. Yeah, I like that. It's a gnome or a halfling, is what I thought was most particularly interesting. That is super cool. Yeah. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All right. So I think with that, this epic thing is almost over. Yep. How many stars would you give Dragon Magazine out of five? Uh, four and a half. I think four and a half. I agree with you. Four and a half. Yeah, I think that was the. Yeah, agreed. That was the best one so far. Yep, agreed. All right. Um, it needs a. Do you have any, it needs a neck waddle. Neck waddle. I agree. All right. I'm sorry. Anything else? I apologize. What was that? Okay. 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 Waddle. Waddle the centarchy. Um. So all right. So uh, you have any uh, final announcements to make? No. Things just that we've gone f- over four hours, which again is, is right. crazy. So you need to roll d10 for our our how well we did. All right. I'll do it. Uh, is the last pointy one. Here we go. It's a, it's a 10. Wow. It's a zero. Well, we had the Thanksgiving miracle. Th- Thanksgiving I, miracle? Like, like, showing, like I'm showing it to the camera like I couldn't have changed it on the way up. That's right. It's a zero. 
I don't know if it's a zero. Is that a zero or ten? Ten. It's ten. It's ten. Uh, ten. All right. Again, uh, well, we had you know we had the Hubbard family on. We had um, yeah. all kinds of good stuff on. So it was it was a it was a good event had by all. So. I think yeah. so. We are not. We're we're not probably going to be on for Thanksgiving. If we are, we'll be a complete surprise. I'm just letting people know. Two weeks from today is Thanksgiving weekend, so we're probably not going to be on. But if Dan and I feel inclined, we may just show up and speak for six or seven hours during Thanksgiving. Um, uh, but so if everyone in the states or anyone celebrating Thanksgiving, I hope you're able to do it safely with your loved ones uh, in a manner that allows you to. Spend time together, but not in a way that you'll uh, put yourselves at risk. And our next time will be December 5th, then. Uh, it's our next scheduled time. So who knows? Maybe we'll play a, maybe we'll play a game. Maybe we'll do a Pixie and Glade thing on the 5th. Or Ooh, not the yeah. either on the fifth or on the twenty eighth. We'll see what happens. So, but maybe they can go hunting. Yeah, they can go like uh, turkey hunting. They can go uh, cockatrice hunting yeah. as first levels, guys. Mm, that may <laughs> that may not work out so well. <laughs> so for uh, Grog Talk, I'm James and I'm Dan, and we will see you next time on Grog Talk. Take care. This is big, a pushy, a big production. All rights reserved.